welcome to He's Dead, Jim. We're watching Star Trek, the original series, one episode at a time. I'm Mick McConnell, and I identify as human. Joining me, as always, is my human friend from Earth, the wonderful Emily Lind. Hello, human friend. Hello, Emily. How are you, pal? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Always good to hear from you and to get a chance to talk Trek and other things. What's happening in your hemisphere? Um, let's see. It is a little bit cold and rainy, but I'm inside, so that really doesn't matter. And I have a glass of wine. And yeah, that's good. Sounds fantastic. Is it beginning to feel a lot like Christmas? <laughs> you know what? It's really not at all. Like the fact that it's almost Christmas is crazy right now because I'm not like ready for it to be Christmas. Are there toys in every store? <laughs> I just my my image of New York at Christmas time is the Bing Crosby Christmas album. Well, baby, is it cold outside? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. I'll I do walk Martin. by. I do walk by Macy's every day because mm, it's on my nice. way to work. So I see like the Christmas display, the whole like America on Thirty Fourth Street thing they have. Sounds so exciting. Uh, have you played your PlayStation Classic yet? I knew you were going to ask this, and I realized it today, and I also realized I hadn't even thought about it since the last time that we talked. Oh, no Tekken 3. So I've had it for almost two weeks now, and literally all I did was turn it on to make sure it wasn't broken. Mm. I've heard a rumor. That it uh, sucks? No. (laughs) I've heard heard a rumor that um, they're very easy to mod. Now, I'm not yeah. recommending this because, uh, of course, you can brick your console and there's legal issues, but maybe if you already happen to own the games <laughs> on CD. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've heard you can add, you can expand its properties if you yeah. dare. Yeah, probably some, if I some brick something. criminals are doing If I that, brick yeah. something I'm not playing anyway, it probably doesn't matter that much. But, I, I okay, I, I'm not going to try to mod anything until I've played Final Fantasy VII. Because I need to play that, and then it can get fucked up, and I don't care. Ah, cool. So as soon as you completed it, you're done. You're ready for a paperweight. I know I'm jumping in early, but as soon as the eugenics wars start, it's not going to mean a whole hill of beans. (laughs) (laughs) We better bring on this guest. This week's special guest is a media commentator and a television expert. Finally, someone who knows what they're talking about. Uh, He's the reason I started listening to podcasts again. And uh, a few years ago now, and I guess ultimately responsible for me becoming friends with one Emily Lind. Uh, all the way from Decider TV and the headline generating TV <laughs> black box <laughs> podcast, please welcome Steve Malk. Oh, Yay. hello, friends. Yay. Oh, Miximus Lindo. This, I've been anticipating this so hotly ever since you invited me. And then you told me the episode. I'm like, oh, this is going to be the shears. It's a cracker of an episode. Mm, and thank you for having me on. You guys are amazing. How good is his dead, Jim? This is great. Oh, thank you so much. You're so kind. Well, that's that's because the start you, of it. Your podcast was the first podcast I was ever on. Lindo, are you serious? Yeah. The Humans with Twitter was a bunch of fun. And I'm actually, you'll be, may not be pleased to hear this, but I'm seriously contemplating doing like a sequel series where I revisit everybody that I interviewed and basically catch up and go, So, how has life been since we talked? Seven oh up. my God, that'd be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it, it will be. I'll just, it's a great art project. I'll class it like that and get a government grant. See if I've learned to speak any better since I was on. <laughs> but there's no guarantees that I'm going to speak any better. probably the first podcast I was on. I probably blurted out something in the back of a Steel Wars or a Green Guide letters at some point. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. We've all got those dark moments. I'm so ready to Star Trent, you would not believe. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> so excited. Yay. Everybody, let's Star Trent. Everybody, let's do a pre-workout sip. Mm. I have a whiskey. Mm. I was, was going to join in with my pal Emily, but you're on the wine this week? Yeah, for right now, but it is the last of the glass, and that was the last of the bottle, so might switch. Oh. There you go. Bring it. We're podcasting in PM now. This is He's Dead Jim after hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. Had a few. It's been great. Okay. So, yeah, Steve, you uh, you have done many podcasts. None many, of them successful. Oh, that's debatable. Many <laughs> wonderful and interesting podcasts. So I think it was Malk's TV talk. Well, I tuned into that. I thought no, I hadn't. It was sort of back when... You know, I'd listen to a few podcasts when I, you know, back in the day, got my first iPod and yeah, yeah. synced it with iTunes and did all nice. the stuff and it was hard and it was offline. Mm. And back then the podcasts were mainly podcasts from radio shows that I listened yeah. to. Oh, yeah. And then I got listening to yours and that opened the door to all these awesome and exciting pods. And you had, you had an awesome one called The Thing Committee for a while. There. Yeah, yeah. You're you making it sound like that I'm a dealer and that was a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, the the yeah. world that is podcasting crack. Um, no, no, look, I, you're right. I've been involved in a few. The Thing Committee was one I really, really loved. And I still hold hope that I can, because that was hosted by me and Josh Withers. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of live in hope that he, because he's a very busy man marrying people all around the world. If we can be in the same place for any kind of extended period, I hope that we can kind of reanimate that because that was really simple premise. We just basically ask people to talk about what are things. Is that a thing? That's not a thing. Could it be a thing? And we debate that in a hopefully a humorous fashion and we get on with life. Uh, but we are the definitive authority on things and anyone else that has popped up subsequently is not correct, uh, which means that the thing committee's list of what needs to be decided as a thing is now growing steadily. Nice. So you've got to... Have you got some imposters to discuss? Well, I think not long after we started it, we found someone else that had a very same premise that didn't call themselves the thing committee, but their premise was deciding whether or not these things are things. Ah, and we okay. sent them a cease and desist and they soundly ignored us. What was your favourite thing that came up as a topic? Um, look, we hit we hit some pretty big notes. I think we talked about – I don't think we like solved world peace or racism, uh, but in a fake news world, you mean look at the opportunities we have now. Mm. Uh, but we certainly solved the issue around whether or not um, like adult toilet paper versus public toilet paper is a thing. Like I don't know if it, what it's like in your house, uh, but I'm, I've got two teenagers. So for some boy and a girl, for some reason, we go through a buttload of toilet paper. Uh-huh. And the toilet paper that we have in their bathroom and the publicly accessible bathroom in our house is of a lesser quality than the what is in our ensuite bathroom. Scandalous. Yeah. So you have tiers of toilet paper. Yes. And You're it's, elitist. It's very much so. And so I had to ask, is that a thing? Is the differentiation of toilet paper or do you just buy one lot of the same toilet paper for the whole house? Yeah, no, we buy one lot. We're um, we're a uh, Socialist. Yeah, we don't have yeah, we don't have a like a caste system in the sense. <laughs> <Caste system. laughs> God, you're making or me a, sound like the Maharaja. Or a, or a class system. <laughs> no, we're we're uh, we're a very social house. We're a house of the people. So you're not in, into like the Sikh approach to toileting. You're more about hey everyone, just grab a wad of paper and shove it up there and get into it. 
Apparently so. I don't. I, I don't. To be fair, I don't know much about the Seek ap- approach to toileting, and mm-hmm. we're talking about that, of course, because this episode features oh, yes. an allegedly Seek warrior Very character, yes, <laughs> played by a man who I believe is from Mexico, Ricardo Montalban. I think so. Uh, look, I don't know his origins. Maybe Lindo can help us with this. But certainly, any person that is called Ricardo Montalban has no business coming from India. Correct. He, he sounds like he should be in The Princess Bride. My name is Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> you killed my father. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we need to just to quickly double back. Tin tax, people. Scrunch yeah. or fold? Oh, I mean, man. it's integral. Scrunch. Yes. Fold. Oh, wow. I think. Scrunch. No, scrunch. I've just made me think. Scrunch is, in a way, scrunch is a form of folding. Yeah, but it's it's more definite. If a fold is a definite, oh, I want yeah. it to be shaped in a yeah, certain no, scrunch. scrunch just grab scrunch, a handful yeah, of that yeah. stuff and I don't want to get anything on my hands. There you go. That's what that's about. There you go. It's the, the only correct way to do it. I'm having flashbacks to the thing committee. It's now. like the overhang and underhang <laughs> on the toilet roll. Does should the paper hang over the front or hang over the back, like against the wall? Over the front, away from over. the wall. Over always. It's yeah. always got to be over. Anyone that says underhang is correct is patently just deluded. Yeah, yeah. This Man. is how we bring people together. <laughs> this podcast needs to come back. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I have a long and rich history in podcasting. I have uh, – it's been a bit uh, schizophrenic. It's been about television a lot. The, the Thing Committee was a bunch of fun. I did a few seasons of the Unreal Housewives podcast. That's what we called it, focusing mainly on the Australian Melbourne and Sydney series of the Real Housewives franchises. Uh, deathly disappointed that there's no sign of them coming in 2019, but – friend of mine, Nick, and I just obsess over that format. And for me, as much as anything, it's because these women are horrible women. They are. There is no redeeming feature in any of them, uh, and yet they're put up as the here are these women trying to be things and doing stuff. It's just appalling. Uh, and then this year it's spun out into uh, I'm the weakest link in the TV black box chain, uh, but we're having a lot of fun talking about the business of Australian media and what that looks like. And just this year, 2018, there's been a ton of stuff go on. So we've had some fertile ground to shit all over. TV Black Box is a fantastic podcast, of course, anchored by the wonderful Rob McKnight. Yes, shout out to Rob. Studio 10 fame. And uh, Rob's served in just about every newsroom in the country by the sound of it. We had Studio 10 meant that he has worked in all three commercial newsrooms now. Wow. Uh, but worked in seven and nine doing promo producing and, and making all of that sort of stuff happen. Uh, and, and not just like a guy, like really involved. In fact, the latest TV Black Box podcast at time of recording is him telling a story, not that anyone overseas is going to give two craps. In fact, even people in Australia are going to go, shut up, Mock, this is boring. Um but he was talking about how he filmed all of the promo- promos for Peter Overton, who came on as the new Channel 9 Sydney newsreader, and the preparation for all of that, and that they signed everybody, even cameramen and sound recordists, to non-disclosure agreements. They filmed it not even in the studios so that no one could know about it. Wow. It was cloak and dagger. and. Peter joined and went on to, you know, win the news for nine in Sydney and has held it every year since. Um, but it, this kind of level of, like, it's Australia, right? There's 26 million of us. There's about five or six million that watch TV every night. No one cares. No one cares. But that they spend so much effort in pretending that people care and self-validating that it's just gobsmacking the effort <laughs> they go to. It's crazy. So, Steve, I've got to ask mm. you about CBS All Access. Yes, it is the service in the States that has brought us Star Trek Discovery. Yes. 
Uh, and the new Picard series as well. Yes, yeah, so that's that's going to be on CBS All, All Access, Access in as well. America and Canada it will be. Wow, yep. Now, we've been the lucky beneficiaries of a deal with Netflix that's seen mm-hmm. them as the international distributor for all things Star Trek TV. So we've got the new well, Star Trek Discovery yep. and all of the classic episodes, and that's what we've been watching along. Yes, and just announced the new series of Discovery starts. I think it's the 17th of January. Fantastic. Can't wait. Yeah, you cannot wait. I understand that there was four sort of character-based specials that they did mm-hmm. um, over the summer, but I think we don't get those. I think they're like an exclusive deal. Yeah, the, the, so the situation was that when CBS All Access, Access launched Discovery, um, because CBS All Access is available at the time, it was only available in uh, United States and Canada. Netflix did a deal with them to say, well, we'll pick it up and go into ev- – well, Netflix is in every country bar three in the world. Wow. So if you take out America and Canada, it, it Star Trek Discovery is on Netflix for every country bar five in the world, including wow. us. Yep. It's here in Australia. Yep. Pardon me. And that's how we see it. Um, so that's been great. Now, so – and that's life of the series. So that's the way TV deals get done now. It's like we won't get it season by season. We'll do the deal that we'll roll the dice. If you're going to keep making it, we've got it for that deal. Um, the extra stuff, CBS All Access pitched that to Netflix to say, hey, do you want this outside United States and Canada? And Netflix passed on it. Wow. Now, I don't know hmm. if that's because of its limited nature, that it's only sort of these four specials, or whether they got to see stuff and went, no, that's not going to fly. Mm. I'd say it's more likely the episode count. They tend to be very keen on we want to get lots of things. Yep. Um, and short stuff tends to not run unless it's comedy specials. Mm. Or you know, document short documentary series. Um, so we are yet to hear in Australia how we will see um, these Picard specials. Though, given that ten the network ten network in Australia is now a fully owned subsidiary of CBS and has just launched what they're calling Ten All Access, how very original. <laughs> um, I suspect that it will land there for us. But I don't know. Like they may have shopped it around and Stan might have bought it or who knows. Uh, because certainly, again, in that same kind of American Netflix, Australian Netflix library is a different deal. And and Netflix acknowledge that the way they do deals now, are they, they do it for every territory or they do it for none. Mm. So even that discovery deal where it's US and Canada and not like not there but everywhere else, that's okay. They've got a big European setup and the rest of it. Um, there is a bunch of stuff on 10 All Access, sorry, that isn't on 10 All Access that is CBS All Access content, but because of deals on those series, won't land. So a great example is The Good Fight, which is the Christine Baranski, The Good Wife series sequel. If you want to get the latest series of that, you have to watch SBS in Australia because that's where it is. Uh, And in fact, if you get 10 All Access, you'll only get, I think it's the first series of The Good Fight you won't even get the second series that aired this year because SBS still have the first run digital rights for that. So it's it's a weird kind of mishmash scenario. And we face that with a lot of stuff in Australia. We're not a big market. Yeah. You know, we're 26 million people mm-hmm. here. It's about 4 million people in New Zealand. And even they get dealt with as a separate territory sometimes. Um, so if we add them up, roughly 30 million people compared with 330 million in the US, and I think it's about 8 to 10 in Canada, um, what, who cares about us? Yeah, right? It's absolutely. only our media organisations making any kind of interest that's going to drag stuff in. And that's why Stan have got a whole raft of Showtime CBS premium content 
that's not on CBS, sorry, 10 All Access here because it's already signed away. Yeah, yeah. So I guess ultimately they'd be wanting to try and bring stuff home, but they're going to have to wait until those agreements. Well, their options are they buy out the agreement and no one wants to pay that kind of money. Or they just kind of say, well, when those agreed timeframes expire, we'll then pick it back up. Um, The real curse for 10 All Access is that its launch library is just, like you can count it, in under 20 fingers and toes. It's wow. really not that great. What what sort of stuff are we talking? Um, look, if you want to watch if you want to watch every <laughs> episode of Frasier, it's there. Yeah. Um, I, th- I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be controversial so I don't. Um, there, there is a bunch of stuff, but it is it, generally speaking it's old stuff and 10 have pushed whole seasons of things onto there. If you're a Survivor fan, you can watch every past episode uh, except for the current season because that has a deal with nine in Australia. Um, every past episode, right back to Richard Hatch. Wow. So yep. if you're hardcore, yep. that's great. Uh, and there are bits of things, but it's it's like – and the worst part is it's like 10 bucks. Like nothing warrants the 10 bucks that they're charging us for that. Like if there's something there, you go, I'll have a look. You get your first month free. Sign up, do it, watch it, and get the hell out of there. Like no one needs to visit, visit this version of Dodge until they've got a way better library. Yeah, yep. I'll tell you what, if they want old, if they want to dish out old content, give me every episode of Letterman. Oh. If you could do that, <laughs> done. Well, and that's the other problem yeah. is that we were expecting to get Colbert. Why are we oh, not getting okay. the episodes of The Late Show? Why are we not getting that stuff? Is that stuff tied up on Foxtel? Have they still got that on cable? Or I think Foxtel is showing it, but they're not showing it same day date. Like, mm. I think it's even a couple of days delayed. Why? Well, exactly, right? When it's it inherently is currency, it, it's – the jokes are about stuff that's happening that day or in the last sort of yeah, 24 to 48. Right. Yeah. Um, and given I, that it's, I want to watch 20-year-old Letterman. <laughs> how amazing would it be to go, I want to sign up and watch you know, tonight's Colbert and I've got a 10 All Access login yeah. I can ch- and there it is. Like the instant it finishes on the East Coast or the West Coast, there it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that would be phenomenal. Um, the, the catch is that we can get a 10 All Access login and watch – everything on the CBS News Network. And quite frankly, who gives a crap? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I'm, I'm one of these people, like it's getting frustrating having so many different fragmented streaming services. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I just want my one thing or my two things. Um, but the flip side of that is I, I kind of want to see CBS Access, mm-hmm. CBS All Access do well uh, so that I can keep making these awesome new series. I love Discovery. <laughs> did you did you watch it? Totally. Yeah, and yeah. I got fully into it. I love the premise. I love the way they delivered it. Mm. I love how authentic it was in the Star Trek universe and yet told a great new story. Absolutely. With yeah. new characters and, and, and developed technology that when you build into a universe, you, you're tightly constrained in some regard about the time frame that you place it. So that means that, well, they did have this, but they didn't have this. They can do this and they can't do that. Um, and, and so that opened up. And and. How's this? I mean, along the lines of the next generation and all the rest of it, it's a whole new crew and cast and thing. You know, it's not like we've gone, here's Luke Skywalker in a brown robe looking like Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's intentionally like it's no Kirk, it's no Spock, it's no Picard, it's no Janeway, it's none of the rest of it. We have to introduce a whole new crew. And you have to like them or this falls on its ass quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they addressed some of that stuff. The fact that our our hero is effectively treated as a criminal for half the series uh, and that we're rooting for her. We want her to succeed. Um, no spoilers great. because Emily hasn't seen it yet. Well, no, 
No spoilers. I'm not going to ruin it. You're missing out. Lee. You no, spoiled really Breaking good. Bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers, they all die. I seem to remember you, you spoil it for more, um, your guest, Maud Garrett, and me listening. And well, I think that was right off the back of the finale, but it was three to, or four to days To be fair, after. I hadn't actually started watching yeah. it. It was just something <laughs> I had planned for my retirement. It. You can't call it spoiling if you haven't seen the first episode, and I'm at episode five, you know, series five, episode six. Um, no, no, look, it's amazing. I agree, Mick. I'd love to see things continue. The challenge for us, and I don't know what it's like for you, Lindo, I'd be, be keen to, to find out what you subscribe to. Here in Australia now, as we stand in the year of our Lord 2018, start date 24.63, um, <laughs> we have Foxtel Now, Stan, Netflix, Hey You, Quick Flicks, and now 10 All Access, six streaming services before Disney Plus launches. And there is a big rumor that because Disney now have the controlling interest in Hulu, that Hulu will launch in Australia. Wow. Okay. So that would be eight. Who can afford that at 10 bucks a hit? I always forget Amazon. Nine. That's why you can all subscribe to my new cable service where I'm <laughs> consolidating all of these things. For an, You're just setting up a camera feed. and rebroadcasting everything. <laughs> oh, no, it'll be all licensed. But, yeah, that's, that's all right. Ultimately, people will come. There'll be bundled deals. There'll yeah. be If you sign up with this telephone company, then you'll get these two services or whatever. Well, be- look, Telstra are doing that now. It's boring, but Telstra are doing that now for KO, their new Foxtel's new sports streaming service. KO. KO, K-A-Y-O. Half of these things I haven't even heard of. Yeah, well, that mate, shows uh, we've got too many. Well, that's and that's the problem, right? Are we ready to talk about this week's episode of Star Trek? Yeah, we might want to do that at some point. Mm-hmm. This week we watched Space Seed, which is episode twenty-two from season one of the original series, and that's episode twenty-three on Netflix. Uh, it originally aired on NBC on the sixteenth of February, nineteen sixty-seven, and our start date this week is thirty-one forty-one point nine. So it's interesting we start with NBC and finish up on CBS. Mm, jumping and jumping. Because uh, Desi Lu Productions was ultimately became Paramount Television. Yes, and it did. And some things happened. Was a company called Viacom at the time or did that come along later? Gulf and Western, they're an oil company and they bought up record companies. And I think CBS. it was Gulf and Western before it was Viacom. There you go. And they Wolf Factor 9 the shit out of that over to CBS. Nice. <laughs> Thanks very much. Meanwhile, what do we have? General Electric were electrifying the shit out of NBC. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Uh, This episode was directed by Mark Daniels and written by Gene L. Kuhn. What's some great work from Daniels too, just casually? Yeah. Like I think there were some marvellous moments where we really got to see the benefit of Vaseline over the lens (laughs) and a selective white (laughs) box light on the face of the women, particularly uh, MacGyver's mum that we'll get to later. Some nice close-ups. MacGyver's mum. Yeah. Well, I, I know it's what? not. What? Because it's what it, when Kirk asks about, is that historian around? Let's make her earn her thing. Was it MacGyver's? And I think oh, Spock Mac- corrects oh, goes, her name MacGyver's. is MacGyver's, of course. So it's MacGyver's mum. I thought you were going to drop a fact <laughs> on us then, like the actress. You know, she is Richard Dean Anderson's mum. Of course, MacGyver. How's that for some facts? I even know who okay, MacGyver was. Okay, but wouldn't nice. she be like MacGyver's great, 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 great granddaughter or something? Oh, I will yeah. take your logic and place it in the bin, Lindo. Timeline. <laughs> she, could have, she could have crossed back after she shacked up with Khan. I'm pretty sure that Khan had – his jizz was all over the universe. So um, I'm pretty sure that like whoever actually was Richard Dean Anderson's <laughs> parents possibly had Ricardo Montalban involved. Oh, man. This is – I just realised like 45 minutes in, I haven't even mentioned this is the Khan episode. Khan! Khan! <laughs> even though that's in the film and not in this. 
That's right. So exciting. <laughs> Emily, do you want to do a con? No. Okay. Just this checking. Too so great. No one will listen to this. If they've made it this far, <laughs> firstly, congratulations. Because <laughs> like, I love people, and I know that Star Trek people don't give two shits about everything that we just talked about. Oh, that's fine. They're I, here for this content. I'll, I, I'll consolidate it. Everything okay. they've just said has been very concisely edited. That is rubbish, and you know it. No, <laughs> I will listen this into is, this. This is a test. If they they gotta get through all yeah. that shit to and earn then the calm, yes. yeah, then they get to hear about multiple and smooth, smooth chest. Mm, those, the gyms <laughs> are ready. They're ready to talk about his lack of hair. <laughs> we start the episode with spooky music. Mm. The Enterprise has detected another spaceship exists. So Ooh. it's spooky. There was no comedy clarinet. I was very disappointed. No, this no, this is, this is a spooky. I Lots of ominous kind of trombones and o- baritone sax. Ominous oboe. <laughs> <laughs> There's some brass and some strings. I didn't pay attention, but, yeah, very ominous. Uh, now, this one feels like it was produced early. I didn't mm-hmm. check the production order, but... Uh, just the yeah, the style of it feels like an early episode, and the fact that they're so freaked out to see a spaceship. Like, <laughs> yeah, they've been through yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's another it bit also an later on, on that made me think yeah. that. I the thing I noticed, Lindo, and I'd love your your thoughts on this that the Kirk and Spock relationship really hasn't matured to the place that I think everyone romanticizes it and knows it and loves it. Mm. Like it's still that like Kirk is holding Spock with a level of contempt. And it's it's Spock. The consistency in that relationship is Spock doesn't change. There's a, a growing affection by Spock towards Kirk um, that we don't see early on. Like it's very businesslike. That's how logical Vulcans are. But Kirk is just ready to just go. Ha ha! You got it wrong. Pointy ears. That's all it is. Yeah, he's not as bad as the others. I know we talk about this a lot, but McCoy. McCoy hates Spock the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Until eventually, in like the near the last movie, they're sitting by the campfire and they're pals. He says, "I love you, Spock." He says, "I love you, two bones." <laughs> Come here, son. Give me one of them painted doctor kisses. No, Hang on, I- everyone had a doctor kiss when they were young, didn't they? Or was it just me? Uh oh. <laughs> you <laughs> mean that's podcast, not real? All of a sudden, that's a true crime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My doctor lied to me. <laughs> I I feel like a lot of people's nostalgia nostalgic memories of Star Trek actually comes from the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I yes. mean, not just, not just the Kirk and Spock relationship though. That's, that's definitely a big one is, I mean, obviously Rathacon influences that a ton, but yes. also I think when people think about Scotty, they think about the movies, they think about him being older. They think about him being yeah. like the jolly, the like yep. overweight dude. So uh, yeah, I think, you're right. He's a live yeah. blackhead Scotsman in this series. Mm. Yeah. With a nice comb forward. Yeah, he's ready to get it on with whoever <laughs> stands still long enough. Come and see my pistons. <laughs> and I also feel like the movies really emphasize the his like frustration always at the ship and that you know she can't take mm. anymore. Like that <laughs> really played up there. Yeah. Mm. Yep. That that isn't really here in these, at least not in the first season. Yeah, no, what was Scotty doing like going with them? Like fair enough, it's a it's a ship that they've just found sort of floating in space. I guess you take your engineer, but you don't take him on the first party. Like you, you send over your security detail to start with. Yeah. To make sure that things are okay. 
And then you call over the historian and the, the engineer to check out the, the ship and all of the rest of it because they can remotely sense that, you know, yes, it's got a, an atmosphere hospitable to humans and the rest of it, but what? Like, I'm yeah. coming for the ride, Captain. Yeah, there's a few security issues in this, like how they managed to bring a war criminal on board that <laughs> takes over the Enterprise. <laughs> sure, have a look at the entire plans of our ship without any kind of uh, supervision. Khan, <laughs> help yourself. I was disturbed in no small part. Maybe when I say disturbed, I mean turned on a little bit <laughs> by the fact that um, in that opening scene where they first noticed the ship, that Uhura is definitely in the background. She's sitting there doing her comms thing, whatever it is that she's pushing the buttons to do. And I know, like, it was just a distraction for me. I know those Star Trek dresses, skirt things are short. Mm. I could see, like, her, I could see her planet Vulcan. I'm sure of it. <laughs> like, oh, there was, no, I didn't know what happens. It was like it was, it, I, she likes to cross the legs and that's cool. Like, it's very ladylike. But because she's shot, she's sitting sideways to the camera, and her legs are crossed, it means that the dress rides up, and it's not like I'm seeing her upper thigh. I'm seeing, like, her ass cheek. Like, all, all of a sudden, it's basic instinct. Yeah. In like, and, and who makes the decisions for Starfleet? They're right. The men wear the coloured shirts and the pants, and everything's great. Women, black stockings, and that short thing, and mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Like, it's an episode of Drag Race without any of the drag. Look, there's, yeah. there's a lot of not great stuff with women in this. I mean, oh. address it, but including... Like in this, first, it, well, yeah, we'll get to it. But this first thing, when they're getting the like the Morse code distress signal, and she starts yes. reading it out, and Kirk's like, "We all know what they're saying," and it's like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, dude! Like she's doing her job. Like seriously, he was—he just had his angry Kirk pants on this episode. He did for at yeah. least the first half. Yep, yep. It's definitely the. And now and then, I think they play it up a bit, but now and then he's just the arsehole captain. There was no review, by the way, to jump ahead. There was no review about the fact that they brought on a war criminal. Yeah. Once they even worked out who he was, oh, they put some security outside his room. Big hairy deal. Like, restrain the guy. Don't let him look at anything that you have. Get him off your ship as quickly as you can. Yeah. You idiots. No, no. Well, that happened. Oh, we're going to banish you to this planet. That will be fine. And everything was A-OK. <laughs> That's basically it. So if you haven't seen this episode, this is one you need to watch. Press play now. Grunt. <laughs> I think we spoiled it all. But no, oh. we spoiled it. No, we spoiled it. Okay, so, but they find this ship. <laughs> That's where we are right now. They find this oh. ship. <laughs> How good is the name of this ship? Yes. Not enough is made of the name of this ship, even though they are self-referential to it later in the episode. Yes, yeah. I'm, the SS Botany Bay. This is an Australian episode. Which are you I proud? Did you feel ab- patriotic? I absolutely call bullshit on Kirk knowing that reference. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I, I call bullshit on a lot of things. So that- <laughs> The Enterprise has detected this old Earth vessel from the 1990s. The 1990s. That is ambitious when you're making a show in 1967. Wait until we talk about 2018. I maintain maintain that if we uh, were motivated, we could have been cruising around the solar system at least. Oh, remember, it was only short journeys, remember? They at least acknowledged that it was just short trips. Earth technology at that point had not advanced and they don't get a warp drive until 2018. Yes, oh, I noticed that. Why don't we have right. a warp drive? <laughs> Where's my warp drive? Is we, it under the tree? We have we have two weeks. Two weeks to Holy get a warp drive. Balls. 
Holy shit. Is that like a Trump thing? Where it's, <laughs> oh, no, Trump's starting the eugenics wars just late. We know that. Um, but what's if, if listeners of the dollop will know what Trump thinks of eugenics? Um, the the real the, listen to the Trump episodes of the dollop. Oh my god. Um, the the the, the re- reality is that two weeks. That's right. I mean, I I've got nothing around any of the knowledge of how we're going to get that warp drive going. Mick, how's your study of the sciences of space travel going? It's not great. Who was the the guy in Lindo? the Picard movie that he was an alcoholic? It was test played pilot? by Babe's dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, Babe's dad, James. What's his face? Yeah, uh, he was the guy that fired that shot. That was a rocket that went past the Vulcan passing ship, and they went, "Oh, there must be, you know, a half decent life. We'll come down and meet them." The first space flight. Zephyrin Cochran. That's right. That's his name. name. Yeah. Um, but the catch is that that wasn't 2018. Ooh. Well, that guy. I remember he was. The al- timeline is broken. <laughs> <laughs> he was an alcoholic. Uh, he was. So if we drink enough whiskey, then we can make this happen. Oh, oh, I got a vision. We're going to fly through space really quick and poof, we'll be there. My favourite part of that movie is near the end after it's all the Borg are gone and he's done yes. his successful warp flight and the mm. Vulcans are there partying with them or they're there to meet them. Yes. And then it's all of a sudden there's this remember. massive loud sound and it freaks like the Vulcans all freak out and everything and it's just him being hammered turning on the jukebox. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so good. Man, the movies have so much to answer for. Oh, man. Fantastic. So uh, we find the SS Botany Bay. Yeah. So, and they're worried about it. They're checking it out. They've And this is what No, I want me. to talk. Can I talk about Morse code? Okay, let's go there. Okay. So this ship from the 90s, which I imagine has, like, come with a – it'd have to come with, like, the full set of fre- fresh prints on VHS. <laughs> Maybe it's too early in the 90s. Just I don't too know. Well, no, it's, it, look, it's definitely got some highway to heaven. Oh, um, yes. It's definitely got some family ties. Um, I mean, they've got all the Michael J. Fox they could want to keep them interested in oh, stasis. Man. Back to the Future, they've got all of that. Unfortunately, they may have the full set of Cosby show because they Ooh. didn't get to find out. Problematic. <laughs> the problematic Theo, reality. Theo, come in here and let me fly you to Zephyr 9. <laughs> they still think he's a great guy. That's the worst Cosby impression ever. No, that was fine. Do whatever you <laughs> Do your worst. <laughs> It's about the thing where I put the thing in the thing. Sorry for bringing that up. Trigger warning. Um, <laughs> now, we're, so okay, so the ship's sending out a Morse code mm. beacon. This is where Uhura, you know, tries to translate it. We can all understand Kirk's it. Kirk's like, shut up, woman. We all know Morse code. I'm like, how would they know Morse code? Yeah. It's more Do than a dead know- language at that point. Because if we, if we kind yeah. of fit the timelines, Morse code in our real life was retired three years ago. It's not a not a language anymore. If you join the Navy now, do you get taught Morse code? No. That's the point. They There's don't no point. teach people Morse code anymore because no one uses it. So it's only people who are interested that would want to know it. So by the time we get to Stardate clickety-clicks, um, we're in a situation where none of them are learning Morse code at Starfleet Academy. Yeah. But there you go, I guess. Gone! The 60s was still peak Morse code. <laughs> Well, Star Trek is essentially like a submarine, World War II submarine movie or something like that. Oh, so good. The parallels. It's definitely the Navy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, Life signs are detected, but the heartbeats are too faint to be human. Mm, They're only four four beats 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 per minute. Now, is that how stasis works? Is that it? It just slows you down. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Yes. Now, (laughs) does does that mean that you age like. 
my maths aren't great. I will offer that. But does that mean that you age like 400% slower, which is why Montalban, sorry, mm. Khan, looks as good as the day he was put in stasis? Well, I mean, it is but stasis. But they're still living. Like, blood is pumping. I thought, yeah, I would have thought of stasis like you were being frozen or something like that. You're but that's in, in what they're inferring. you get your cells to stop, everything to stop. Well, they're inferring that because they've been put out into space to go to a place, but no one knows where they're going. Yeah. I mean, they normally, and- like in normal movies and stuff that have stasis ships, people don't wake up with huge beards. Mm, truth. Mm, Let us right. postulate about a non-existent technology and the veracity therein. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> They um. That's the, they only, don't actually... the only example I could think of that I was going to use <laughs> is is the the fucking Jason movie when it goes to space. That's the only one I could think of. <laughs> Jason oh, went to space. No. Oh, oh man, what is going on? Oh man, I need to. Watch I have this. watched so much science fiction. It is such a staple <laughs> science fiction. I, I was speaking of I literally alien. I can't I can't mm. think of a single one other than fucking Jason X. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole bunch that we could lean on, right? As yeah. far as uh, postulate, what was the one where um, uh, the 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 rich woman and the not very rich guy are in stasis on a on a ship flying to another planet, and they wake up early, um, and something's wrong with the ship, and they have Planet to- of the Apes. <laughs> No, 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 no. It was the whole drama was about this ship flying to another colony. Was that the Jennifer Lawrence a- one? Yeah, yeah. Passage? And it takes 100 years to get there. He wakes her up. Oh, That's yeah, it. that he was so He wakes fucked. up. Oh, totally right. But the whole premise being that they go to sleep, they wake up 100 years later on the other planet, mm-hmm. and she as a journalist was going there and coming back to oh. write the story of this is what's happened, and I've been away from Earth for 200 years where I haven't aged, but all my friends are now dead. Shit. That was the premise for her being on it. And, of course, they wake up and, like, they they can't stop the ship and it's going to take 70 years to get where they've got to go, so they're going to die on the trip. Shit. Um, but they end up having to save the ship because some shit goes wrong and everything happens and blah, blah, blah. And- Why did he wake her up? Because he was He's lonely. He was lonely and he saw her and thought she was hot and didn't want to get into some kind of weird necrophiliac thing. Ugh. Yeah. Yikes. What is this called? This sounds terrifying. Oh, I wish I could remember it now. People are screaming at us, going, it's called a thing. Yeah. Um, whatever it is. I mean, do it's, it's do worth I need having to a watch look. this thing. Passengers. Do you need to? Yep. There. Passengers. So, okay. like, that's a great example of stasis and how it works and doesn't work. Okay. The, the catch is, of course, they're in big sealed metal pods. And in, on the SS Botany Bay, they're behind perspex <laughs> that um, yeah. Kirk could smash open with his something, I think his transcoder, and <laughs> reach up, like, to find the, sw- the little perspex switch. Perspex is actually pretty tough. Well, it's something that breaks pretty it's easy. Glass. It could be candy glass. It's just terrible, yeah, basic glass that's not good enough for space flight. And then when he, he flicks whatever switch it is, the whole thing lays down and outslides uh, Khan. Mm. Well, they don't know yet it's Khan, but out, outslides our very smooth protagonist, antagonist. Uh, and it's like, oh, here he is just sliding out with all the glass on his legs yeah. and nobody cares. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. No, okay, yes. I was looking at my notes, and there's things- I've gone way when, ahead, yes. Yes. When way ahead. Over- we haven't okay. even hit the credits yet. Holy shit, okay. Can we, okay, they're going to go to the ship, and they're yes. going to bring yeah. the historian. Why does McCoy suddenly have a problem with the transporter? 
because yes. I reckon this was one that was written or early. produced very early. So they're basically Kirk's getting together the landing party. It's got McCoy and Scotty and a a historian on Earth, Richard Dean called- Anderson's mum. Really, <laughs> 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 Lieutenant MacGyver's. Uh, who Kirk's like, uh, you know, get this historian that finally she can do something useful or something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, it was pretty pathetic. Whose who's specialty is apparently just Earth. And not just Earth history, but like ancient Earth history. So like Earth history from like, you know, the times of uh, ancient Rome. All yeah. of the drawings and busts and stuff are from then and not like anything, I don't know, like now. So in, in her quarters, she's a bit of an artist and because she's a historian, everything she does is – like historian things. <laughs> historian <laughs> so she's painting like a picture of, you know, a Roman gladiator, mm. or a Roman soldier or something, and she has a bust of Caesar. The and- most modern reference they bring up is Napoleon. Yeah. Like they not love even, Napoleon in this Not even Hitler. They don't even bring up Hitler. Yeah, because the, not enough time has passed. <laughs> and, and because, to be frank, you'd lose the argument at that point. Yes, yeah, yeah. But there's some interesting stuff like that, like uh, stuff about the, you know, the the way people sort of glorify you know, mm. big leaders from history like Genghis Khan and Alexander the Great and Napoleon. It's basically be- Bill and Ted's excellent adventure turned into a Star Trek episode. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Uh, Without any of the time travel. So she's in there trying to paint. She's a- <laughs> That's right. Without any of the dude. I can't even remember what they say on that. Excellent. Excellent. I keep thinking of Wayne's World. I go to Wayne's World straight away. <laughs> I mean, I can see my like dude exploitation film. <laughs> I feel like what we've really missed out is a Star Trek version of Weekend at Bernie's. Yes. Yeah. That, well, there's got to be an episode. There's so many episodes. Kirk there's and Spock carry series. around a Pomeranian <laughs> to try and make sure that the, the he's died while they're having a party and they need to make the country of which he is the leader of, they need to make them think he's still alive. Is a Pomeranian a it's breed a dog. of dog? Yeah, yeah, that's right. One of those little puffy ones. Okay. Oh, yeah, very, important, very important question. Yes, please. Bill and Ted, excellent adventure. Mm. Not Bogus Journey because Bogus Journey sucks. Or <gasps> Wayne's World. Oh, Lindo, you're speaking to the heart of my matter. Oh, I would put Bill and Ted's Wayne's above World. Wayne's World, but that's because I'm older because than you. Because Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, no, no, that's probably right, actually. Like Bill and Ted's was formative for me, Yeah. whereas Wayne's World came a bit later, not heaps, but a bit, but Bill and Ted's got in first. But I love Wayne's World. There's lots of it that I really get. And, and I'm going to say to you, Lindo, that Bogus Journey's actually fine. It's Wayne's World 2 that is just appalling. Oh, Wayne's World 2 mm. is definitely appalling. I, I think... Bogus Journey has it's definitely better than Wayne's World too. Like it's watchable yes. for one oh, thing. Yes, no, it's not. I will show my son good. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and I will not show him Bogus Journey unless he asks for it. Bogus Journey has watch. Station, which is the fucking grossest thing in the world. Yes, mm. the thing that run like twins Station. That run I have, into one thing. I haven't seen Bogus Journey. <gasps> you I, haven't seen the Melvin Death? No, they melvined me. Oh, wow. They have no. to defeat death in a number of challenges, and it's like a game of Twister and a game of something else and because they keep beating him. Oh, Best five out of seven. There you go. Liz and I tried to watch oh – I know, yeah, we were really excited to watch Wayne's World again, hadn't watched it in years. And did you go, that's just we, full of problems. We got through the Bohemian Rhapsody bit. No, not about the problems. We just got bored. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's really but, nothing happens after yeah. the Bohemian Rhapsody thing. They go to the concert. Yeah. They get the thing. He gets Tia Carrera. Job done. Tia Carrera. Big fan. Hot. Yeah, yeah. Wayne's World That's era, hot. Peak high school for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
I can't say what I was going to say there. Lindo, yes. Gia Carrera, hot or not? Oh, definitely hot. Yeah, it's, yeah, we're all of one mind here. Treasure Hunter, was that right? She's on a oh, gosh. TV series. Could have been. Yeah, something about hunting treasure. Uh, Star Trek. <laughs> so. <laughs> we're still okay. in the first year of season. Okay, settle so, in, kids. Get your bottles, the, and uh, let's have a sip. Three, two, one. Indeed, the uh, the ship is the SS Botany Bay. Mm. Spock detects life signs coming from it, about six to seventy bodies. Spock explains that the mid nineties was the era of your last so so called world war. Mm. McCoy adds the eugenic war, dumb, eugenics dumb, wars. Dumb. At that point, how many people in the audience watching Star Trek? knew what eugenics was? Probably not many because they went to explain straight it. Straight away. They straight away explained it. So Spock immediately explains it was your last attempts to improve the race, the human race through selective breeding. Mm. Spock, uh, sorry, Kirk assembles a land. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. We've done that. Kirk assembles a landing party. McIvers is painting in her studio and <sighs> she's upset that she Rolls her eyes having to go. Things. Yes. Uh, she rocks up late. Um, McCoy in the transporter room is complaining about having his atoms scattered, even though he's teleported heaps. So there's continuity issues <laughs> across the series. Um, How many McCoy clones late. are there out there? Sorry? Reckon? How many McCoy clones out there? I oh, know, you many. Based on our understanding of how it actually works. Yep. That's a lot of angry men. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of scattered atoms. Um, Kirk is pretty abrupt and rude with McIvers. Mm. Sort of he holds no, like, no regard for her, does he? Uh, he's just being a shithead captain yeah. in this one, which I think is intentional. And, and, and just as a quick side note, there is no Sulu in this episode. No, that's right. I wonder again if this is a, like, I don't like even an think early he's, thing. I, he must have had a roster day off because he's not even yeah, sitting yeah. at the control console to fly the ship. They had yeah. some tall Indian yeah. dude. Yeah, he's off fencing in the holodeck they didn't have. <laughs> well, he, he was doing something because later on when we get to it, you know, there's they're having the oxygen starved out of the bridge yeah. and Kirk's doing his, his monologuing, um, talking about all the people that he wants to give honours to, the people on the bridge that stayed with him. No Sulu. Yeah. I just wonder if that, yeah, I, I, should, I really should have looked up production order because I wonder if that's a thing. We can cope. It's all right. Can you cope? I, I, look, no. I totally can. I will we, mention- don't get check- we get Chekhov in season two. Yes. Yep. That'll be exciting. <laughs> Nuclear vessels. Yeah, it's mortal vessels, Captain. Uh, again, movie references taking over. <laughs> so on the SS Botany Bay, the ship is full of these stasis pods with humans in weird gold fishnet outfits. What is going on with that? Yeah. Like the DTs, the gold Lame DTs and the weird fishnet stuff. Like on the, this is the thing, on the ladies, fine. On the guys, Fine. <laughs> <laughs> on the Montalban, fine. Very fine on Ricardo Montalban. Uh, Scotty is fascinated by the old 20th century ship and he talks about how he'd love to pull this thing apart. He's fascinated by having himself die due to nuclear radiation. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, MacIver says, what a, hand- what a handsome group of people. All right, now we need just quickly. Yep. We know nothing about MacIver. She never pops up again. This is she her. Loves handsome she people. is featured extra in this show, right? Yes. And in this episode, her character plot, her character arc seems to be to just fall dramatically in love with this ancient race of people that she knows nothing about, has never heard them speak, but wants to jump every one of their bones. Does she know nothing about them, though? 
Well, she's able to say they they must be from the from the nineteen nineties. This two hundred year old man. Honestly, who wants to get into bed with a two hundred year old man? The guy's going to be lucky to breathe, let alone get it up. Nineteen nineties, these heroes from the nineteen nineties. It's like Hanson or the Skin (laughs) Doctors. (laughs) That's right. This is Taylor Hanson here, and he, mate. But you're right, Lindo. Look. Khan has fared very well, given that we go on to learn he was deposed and was, you know, the planning to be ruler of the, the whole Earth. Uh, somehow gets forced into this ship, put out into space, blah, blah, blah. And his first response when he becomes compass again, after working out how long he's been uh, in space for, pardon me, is to go, ah, a fine-looking woman with two-tone hair. I shall attempt to <laughs> neg her a lot. <laughs> Very, very problematic. Uh, so the landing party, they've triggered a wake-up sequence for the leader's pod. Uh, which, just quickly, yep. if this was like a prison ship, which mm-hmm. is what it's alluded to be, yep. why would you wake up the leader of the bad guys? Why would you guys? wake up any of yeah. them? Well, like- why would you put them on a ship? So obviously they, he's escaped. It's, well, not, yeah, it's it, not so much a prison ship and it doesn't make sense so, thing. But that, then why Bay. the SS Botany Bay, right? Yeah. Come on, guys. If it's a if it's a prison ship, the Botany Bay makes sense. If it's not and they've just escaped, then there is a place run by idiots that mm. names their ships for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Maybe they took over the ship. Maybe they took the Botany Bay. What was the name I'm of the bay that it. got bombed in World War II by the Japanese in, in Hawaii? Pearl Harbor. Pearl, the SS Pearl Harbor. <laughs> oh, and it's full shit. of peacekeepers. <laughs> like, it's that kind of stuff. Shit. I just really badly referenced that. I apologize. That is fine. <laughs> uh, great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a great no, movie? No, it was not. not a great movie. <laughs> It was not a great movie or a great war movie. It was not a good movie. It was not a decent movie. (laughs) Lindo speaks truth. (laughs) Oh, Mog just stares me dead (laughs) on and just stops. And the podcast has stopped. It's all over. (laughs) I'd rather hide somewhere, man. Oh, man. The landing party. So they've triggered this wake-up sequence. So you wake up the leader first and he decides if he wants to wake everyone else up. And then we behold Ricardo Montalban, oh. a man so beautiful that he can make woman, women fall in love with him even while he's unconscious. <laughs> he is remarkably beautiful. He is. Like, and that pleather skin that he's got an, going on. Another drink oh, they've been a poor one, two, three, poor. Um, that pleather skin that he's got going on, like he's deeply tanned and then fake tanned over the top of his face. Oh, yes. Like he's, I don't know what they rubbed into him, but he got cancer from it, I'm sure. You reckon? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, he was a dark skinned man to start with, but they get, they, they put makeup on to make him be very smooth. And well, there yeah, is for not- some reason, they decide that like he needs to be Sikh in origin, yes. which then I'm like, just, just no. hire an actor who's. Yeah. Indian, or yeah. in fact, you've probably got right part of the world. <laughs> the Indian guy that is flying the Enterprise right now is more Sikh than M- Ricardo Montalban. Oh man! Like get well, that guy to do like, the thing. Hey, keep Ricardo Montalban. Just say he's from Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or say he's from the planet Davros or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like take your pick. So um, yes, Ricardo Montalban was from Mexico, how, according how, to Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. Um. But, like, I'm with you, Lindo. There is not a hair on his body 
below his chin. Like he's well shaven. There's nothing yep. going on there. There's eyebrows, a, a perfectly kept crop of hair, um, and they're not a hair. Does like the, I will swear to you, if they were to detog him, that does guy the carpet is- match the chest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty positive that that package is going forest free. Oh man, he's he's oiled up too. For some, that's weird. <laughs> How isn't do it? you stay in stasis for two hundred years, perfectly oiled? And here's where we get the first shot when MacGyver sort of recognised, oh, I like the dead men when she gets her <laughs> necrophilia on. Um, but They're not is, dead. They're well, no, I know, but like they look dead, right? <laughs> but maybe that's what gets her, her kink. They can't be dead. They have to be almost dead. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, don't – anyway, don't try that at home, kids. That's dangerous. The the We get a lot of these sort of the, the one-shots, right, the close-ups where all of the blokes – and in this party, right, there's all blokes but Mac- MacGyver's. All the blokes get really stark lighting and, and you can see here we are. MacGyver's gets a little bit of the vas on the lens mm. and gets the square light on her face mm. and the shadow across her fringe line so that it looks like she looks that young, innocent kind of vibe. All of her front, her close-up shots are like that, where there's the shadow the problem is they haven't framed it right so that you can see her hairs in like the normal studio light. <laughs> then there's the shadow light across her fringe and then there's that soft light on her face. So she looks virginal. She looks like she's in the dark and then she looks like there's a rave happening in the top of her hair. I don't know what's going on. Man, it's a, it's wild hair too. <laughs> oh, We like, have to talk about her weave when we get on the ship after yeah, he plays yeah. with her hair because I have some big issues. Okay, I'm going to power through this. Let's go. Now. Am I? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. We haven't so far. Okay. So MacGyver's is completely mesmerized by Montalban and uh, Kirk has to get her to snap out of it. She must have determined somehow that he, uh, this guy in the pod is from northern India and he's probably a Sikh. Probably. They're the most fantastic warriors, you know. Mm, by warriors, mm. she means lovers. That's it. Uh, he's breathing, we can see his chest breathing and his heartbeat is increasing until the pot equipment starts to fail. And <gasps> Scotty explains that it's probably failing because of some dust. <laughs> <laughs> Curse you, space dust. Thanks, engineering. <laughs> um, spaceships, I would have thought, would have been fairly clean. Maybe they had mm. the board in a hurry in the middle of a sandstorm what or something. You, <laughs> wouldn't you think that inside stasis pods yeah. is somewhat of a vacuum or it, like it's a protected, closed environment. Slash the whole ship. So there should be no space dust yeah. inside your pod that's going to cause it to fail conveniently oh, as it's trying to bring you back from stasis, like back to life. I think the problem is there's been no one there to dust for 200 years. But so did they like stir up the the dust? Is that why it's suddenly a problem? Did they stir up the dust when they beamed over? Well, they very much must have because you're right. Otherwise, they would have employed someone from the ancient race of the Roomba to come in and keep the place tidy. (laughs) Oh, no. Roombas weren't around in the 1990s. Uh, uh, No, I, I shan't hear a word against that. Because as I've said, I think in their history books, their timelines are a little bit iffy because the eugenics wars are yet to start in real life. Ah, I see. So they just got the they got the year wrong. I mean, they're that close. I'll give them 20 years when we're talking about 200 years timeline. This creature, this man, <laughs> this magnificent beast. This god. <laughs> uh, hang on. So, yeah, he's about to die. McCoy determines he'll die in seconds if they don't get him out of and there. And they take seconds on the close-up shots of everyone. Just he says, 
it'll take seconds if we don't get him out there. And then it's a two-second hold on McCoy, a two-second hold on Kirk, a two-second hold on Scotty, and a two-second hold on MacGyvers. Eight <laughs> seconds. The guy's dead. <laughs> Kirk uh, punches the glass and smashes it and then opens up the pod. Oh. The glass is the thinnest single glazed <laughs> most pathetic glass ever which so they're not great pods mm. um no wonder the dust got in <laughs> now uh and so kirk you know risks obviously you know diseases that mm. could have been wiped out 200 years ago or whatever and vice versa introducing yeah. someone who has no immunity to any of the new things because these yep. guys have been traveling space and meeting aliens they could have picked up anything. Yeah. And what about good old Doc? He's you know, McCoy's doing nothing to help him. Like, oh, a bit of a zappity zap zap. Oh well, that's just <laughs> how it is. Uh, he he tries to talk. It's a lot of effort, and then how Kirk goes long? Up how long? Kirk tells him it's been two centuries. Kirk tells him it's eight inches. Back on the bridge, Spock can't can't find any record of a Botany Bay. The ship was only built for interplanetary travel and the odds were against them making it to mm. another star system. Kirk remembers that Botany Bay was the name of a penal colony on the shores of Australia. Nice. Could this be a he penal ship? He does not know that. He doesn't, like, m- most Americans now don't know that. They know that like, Australia I- started as a penal colony, but they wouldn't be able to come up with that name. Mate, most Americans think Australia is a penis colony. That's most of what you guys think we are. <laughs> and fair enough. Rightly so. How funny is the word penal? It's weird. It's isn't up it? there with pianist. Yeah, it's just, it feels like it should be something like the, the boyish jokes that I just made. Yes. It feels like it should be that. It's hilarious. And not, you know. It- I won't hear a bad word against it. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Oh, this is so good. I know. I'm on my second scotch. I mean Irish. Yeah, yeah. This um, this whole podcast is not getting out in one. It'll get out in two parts. Oh, maybe we haven't had a cliffhanger yet. <laughs> Gosh, could you imagine? Kirk thinks it's could it be a penal ship because of the name. Spock believes this is illogical. As yeah, in the late nineties, Earth was on the brink of a dark age, and whole populations were being bombed out of existence. Why would they waste one of their most advanced spaceships on a group of criminals? And this is why I think that their history is just a little bit out of whack because that is about to happen thanks to Trump. Yeah. (laughs) Potentially. Yeah. I mean, allegedly. Allegedly. I want to go to America again at some point, so I'll say possibly. 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 What could possibly go wrong? But her emails. That's what it is. The mystery leader... This uh, patient is recovering in sick bay, unconscious. So again, just quickly, yep. Kirk thinks it could be a, a prison ship. Yep. Spock goes, "That's not possible." You know, dark ages and whatever. Why would they do that? It's so fine. let's just put him in sick bay, unguarded. Yeah. It's yeah. Fine. We see how that pays off a little bit later. Hmm. It's totally fine. Don't worry about it at all. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Uh, he's unconscious. McCoy explains to Kirk that the patient is an improved breed of human. Ooh. Even though he's still weak, his heart has twice the heart valve action and 50% better lung efficiency than a normal man. McCoy estimates he could lift them both with one arm. Who says that eugenics is a bad thing? 
I'm a big fan of eugenics. <laughs> I say that knowing that if that was the case, I would both be put in prison and bred out of the human race. I tried to think of a eurythmic song then to say <laughs> I was a big fan of eugenics and I couldn't. Sweet so, dreams are made of these. That's, that's the it. only one that people would reali- recognize. So, Missionary my man. Eugenics I mean, we could bring it on, right? I'm a big fan. Thorn in my side. What do you want? <laughs> Yeah, so this Miracle patient is a product of the eugenics war. Kirk gives McIvers a reprimand about her performance on the landing party. Wow. And how she spaced out there. Yeah, she um, fell in love with a dead man. Kirk and McIvers leave and McCoy is alone in the sick bay, unaware that the patient has just woken up <gasps> and is doing some sort of weird tai, sh- tai Chi thing. Ominous oboe. <laughs> That's it. Ominous music. Very ominous plays as he grabs a medical knife off the wall and then pretends to be asleep. As McCoy enters, the patient surprises him and holds the knife to his throat. Oh, Bones is so good in this scene. He is really great. He does not blink. He says, "Will either choke me or cut my throat. Make up your mind." That is, you cut my jugular. An awesome line. So I don't want to pad past so that line because that line is amazing. When a guy, if a guy mm. is ever both choking me and holding a knife to my throat, that's the line I hope to remember. <laughs> and how good is DeForest Kelly? He is just down the barrel straight with it. Oh fuck! Like it's, yeah. it's not even mucking around. He is just like, "This is how it is. Go. I don't care if you take my life." That's that's interesting. It sort of occurred to me right at that point that McCoy is like he's not the strongest guy mm-hmm. and he can't sort of fight off everything, but he may be the toughest. He talks a massive game, doesn't he? He like does. He's, in that his like, response like he to stuff is I'm a hard But when it comes down to yeah. it, our Georgian doctor may be the toughest on the ship. Nothing he fun. just does not give a shit. No, he does yep. not. In fact, it's almost to the point where he's like, he's over. Like, get me the fuck out of the ship. He's just game done. I'm fine. I'm not going to take any of your crap. I just had to pull something out of somebody's whatever to make it be a thing. So you, there's nothing you can do to me that will upset today. Yeah. She's like, just That's fucking it. kill me. Fine. Do it. Yeah. The patient tightens his grip on McCoy's neck and says, where am I? And McCoy gets even more McCoy and says, you're in bed with a knife to your doctor's throat. Oh, so it would be most effective if you would cut the carotid artery under yes. the left ear. Yes. Um, the patient then puts down the knife and says, uh, I like a brave man, and asks to speak with the captain. This is the beginning of the weirdness of Khan, right? Oh, yes. Where he's like, oh, I like a man who is brave and wants me to kill him. I will let you live. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> he's, ne- he's negging bones before we even get to MacGyver's. Oh, man. Uh, Kirk answers the patient's questions and says he's heading to Starbase 12, Mm. the command base in the system. 72 of Khan's life support pods are still functioning. Have we got – no, I haven't got to his name yet. I should be calling him. No, in fact, we don't get to that till at this rate, another hour. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yeah, they don't know quite who he is. We get his name, yeah. Yeah, uh, just Khan. Well, Mr. Khan. Kirk tells the patient that 72 of the life support pods are still functioning mm. and uh, he's, the patient's keen to get them revived immediately and he says, you know, they, they'll be revived once they reach Starbase 12. Yes. Kirk wants to know what dates they left Earth, etc. cetera. Uh, but the patient simply reveals that his name is Khan and nothing else and says he's becoming too fatigued I'm to weak. answer questions. Yes. Fane's weakness. And the doctor um, the doctor buys it. Yeah. Bones on one hand, you're, all this, that bullshit. you're this hard bastard. Yeah. And then you go, 
That's right, Jim. We need to let him rest. Yeah. You dickhead. Hey, 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 McCoy, maybe mention to your buddy and your captain that this guy just had a knife to your throat. Yeah, he tells <laughs> no one. Yeah. No one. Yep. Like, put security on the door now, bitches. Yeah. So Khan says he was once an engineer and even though he's of feeling sorts. too tired and exhausted I to was talk. An engineer of sorts. Yep. Uh, and asked if he could read the technical manuals of the Enterprise. Oh, yes. So I'm so exhausted, but I'd love to read your technical manuals. Uh, Kirk says the information's available to all passengers and extends a screen on an arm over to him so he can... The doctor will show you how to access the other library tapes. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, a few security issues on board the Enterprise. There's no way one person could ever possibly read and understand the, uh, the, the the systematic drawings of the Enterprise in such a full and complete way until this guy. <laughs> <laughs> on the bridge, Spock says, in 1993, mm. that was the year I started high school, a group of these supermen did seize power simultaneously in over 40 nations. What were you doing in 1993? Uh, 1993, I was failing my second year of university. Oh, studying, really? Studying chemistry. Oh, man. What were you doing in 1993, Linda? I was 10. Mm-hmm. Oh, Linda. So, oh, gosh. Po- honestly, probably what I was doing was watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. Nice. Killing it. Yeah, Killing definitely. the game. And, and I'll say I, I was probably doing that as well as falling in love with the woman who would become my first wife. Wow. There you go. 1993. Mm, I'm an old man. There you go. Not, uh, not, not Khan Nunia Singh old, but yep. old. So, oh, there you go. So I'm about three years older than Lindo, give or take. You children. There you go. Uh, I was I was learning the drums in high school and trying, nice. to, grow, trying to grow my hair out slowly. Yeah, you rock. Probably had an undercut. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile... Uh, there were this group of supermen taking over all the nations that I was unaware of. Kirk says they were hardly supermen because they were aggressive, arrogant, and began to battle among themselves. Spock says the scientists created them. The scientists that created them overlooked one fact: that superior ability breeds superior ambition. Kirk adds that he they, looks staring at Kirk when he says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you, you arrogant fuck. <laughs> Kirk adds that they created a group of Alexanders and Napoleons. Mm. And Spock goes on to say there were 80 or 90 of these supermen unaccounted for when they were defeated. That's almost 72. That's right. And uh, this fact was not recorded in the history files because would you reveal to war-weary populations that some 80 Napoleons may still be alive? Mm. Uh Dum, dum, dum. McIvers goes to see Khan in sickbay. She wants historical information from him, but he Oh, interrupts. she wants his historical jeez. That's what she exactly. wants. Exactly. Well, she's trying to be professional now. She's just had a reprimand. And she's trying to get, you know, serious information, do her job, but Khan interrupts and says, why do you wear your hair in such an uncomplimentary fashion? Yeah, well, okay. Now, I, I take some big umbrage at this point because Khan, who has been asleep for 200 years, all of a sudden is an authority on space hairdressing. Yes. And removes, if I counted correctly, about three pins. Yep. And says, there, you look much better. I think he's just read about <gasps> it on like- some some man blog, <laughs> some problematic thing. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if 
Tommy like, Robinson told him how to do it. <laughs> you you see those scenes where the woman has her hair up and then mm. like the guy takes it down, but then he's taking it all down. Yes. So like suddenly it like cascades across her mm. shoulders or something. And he's this, removed one like, pin and it's become the whole yeah. thing down. Not 800 like, pins that are clearly keeping her hair up. Yeah. But then it's only like five strands of her hair. Yes. And most of her most of her hair is still up on top. So it just looks like her hair's half done. And she, she lied like to us. She's a fucking crazy person. Yeah. And she, <laughs> she does. And she lied to us and says that she wears it up like that because it's comfortable. Yeah. There is nothing comfortable Absolutely about that. Absolutely not. It is not comfortable to have 30 pins stuck yeah. in your hair. There's scaffolding involved in her hair. Oh, man. And, and her hair is obviously cut in such a way that it suits the style when it's done up like that. It doesn't look too bad when it's down, but we'll get to that in a very short second. Yeah, it looks better up, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly what you're saying, Emily. Like normally in those movies, it's something that they're real uptight and, you know, they look like oh, I'm the librarian or whatever. And then the guy. Oh, don't. You know, we're starting to get into a fantasy zone. Oh, no, we, we can't talk be. about the librarian. <laughs> oh, no, Just don't even. Whatever, they're real uptight and then they take the hair out. And I mean, mainly the librarian big flowing from hair and all of a sudden they're a beautiful princess. That's what we're getting. Yeah, that's right. And the they Disney shake the princess. hair in slow motion and out it comes. Yep. For me, it's mainly the, the librarian in Ghostbusters, but. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the fun part in this, though, is this is very clearly him starting to neg her. Mm. Come oh, here, yeah. go away. Come here, go away. Yep. There, you look much better. That's it. So, yeah. Soft. He takes her over the mirror. Or I, I expected him to say soft kitty. Out. Like, honestly, I almost expected that. Yeah, he, so, he does. Yeah, he sort of says, yeah, they're simple and natural. And he's got his hand around the back of her neck like soft. he could choke her at any point, but it's a soft, warm caress. Yeah. Is she is of, short of breath. Just pulls out a couple of weird strands. Doesn't yeah, really fix her a couple her of hair, weird strands. Does, gives her a little scalp massage. He's there just <laughs> caressing her. Yes. Does his own YouTube SMR, ASMR video. <laughs> I can't even talk properly. He just gets in her ear. <laughs> so it's making weird sounds. Have you noticed that? And this is a Montalban sort of trait in all of his character roles. Uh, because he has the accent to start with, it is it's a marvelous kind of addition to his his uh, the way that he speaks. But he like Kirk, I guess, or like uh, uh, Shatner, I guess. They have a different tonality, yeah, to how I deliver the line, and the beat isn't always where you would expect it to be. Is this always Montalban, like? On Fantasy Island, yeah, very yeah. much so. Like yeah. Wild Khan and and you know, Mr. Boss, um, I don't even know what his real name is. Um, what is his name on Fantasy Island? Gosh, another little dude was um, Hervé Villanches was Tattoo. Um, the plane. Oh, uh, Rock, Mr. Rock. Um, Mr. Rock. I is think so. Montalban. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and is that uh, an Irish name? Is <laughs> <laughs> Mexican Sikh Northern Indian Irish? Yeah, that's where he's landed. But because you know how Fantasy Island works, right? The whole premise was that these people would pay to come to Fantasy Island where they could live out the fantasy that they wanted to have, but there was always a moral lesson in it for mm. them. And in the midst of their weird sort of going having their fantasy, they would seemingly come back to the main hotel area and there would be Mr. Rourke and Tattoo, and they would be helping progress the narrative in a weird and unusual manner mm. um, that didn't make any sense, but it still happened. And then by the time everybody left, they'd all learned something. There you go. Have you, have you seen much Fantasy Island, Emily? No. I mean, I, I know the premise of it and like sort of like the meme nature of, of like mm. Boss to Plane and all of that stuff, but I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of it. 
to really break your brain, they probably would have had the full series of Fantasy Island on the SS Botany Bay. Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, hang on. My head just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> I I have never seen an episode. Of course, I've seen it referenced in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw the remake yes. late oh, 90s yeah. with the guy from Clockwork Orange great. as the Montalban guy. Yeah, it was not great. He's great. yeah. It just fell out. What is that guy's name? Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, I was going to say Andy McDowell. (laughs) (laughs) It is definitely not Andy McDowell. Um, The thing about Fetish Island and and what made it stand out was that that, um, Montalban's character, Rourke and and, uh, Tattoo, always met them at the dock because they flew in on a seaplane to Fetish Island in these crisp white suits, perfectly pressed. Yes. Never with a skerrick of dirt on them, and Tattoo was like, he, he was like the the guy that would help with their luggage. Tattoo was shorter than a log of their luggage, like he <laughs> barely could lift stuff, and he was meant to just be there like the concierge to these wonderful people and help them with show them to their rooms. Tattoo, yeah, the both. Um, it was that kind of stuff. Oh, I um, see, and you know, it, it, stuff ensued, and then they went home again. But it might have been like my fantasy is I want to do this and, and they realise that they actually are in love with their wife and so they their wife's also there and she's having a separate fantasy and they see each other at the bar and they fall in love and go home together. There's that sort of stuff. It was mm. Very rarely was it someone went home with dire consequences as a result of their fantasy being so very real for them. Oh, wow. Mm. I want to watch Fantasy Island now and The Love Boat. For some oh, reason. mate, you want problematic. I don't think that we, in 2018, <laughs> in the Me Too era, there is no way that we could watch The Love Boat. It is just sexual assault after sexual uh, assault. How is that different to any other cruise? <laughs> well, nowadays. I haven't, I haven't been on a cruise, but they don't sound great. No, I haven't been either. But at this point, like nowadays, I think it's just more. They're alcohol. either old people, which is fine, mm. or they're young people being fucked. <laughs> Could you imagine an update of The Love Boat, like a 2018 version on like the P&O cruises mm. where it's like the Bogans doing the trip where, got me drink cut, Shazza. Let's strap it on. Uh-oh. <laughs> that'd, oh, man, that'd be awful. Apologies to everybody overseas who doesn't know what a Shazza or a strapping on is. <laughs> It'd end up like that season of Big Brother here that went wrong <gasps> and ended up with a with turkey, turkey slap. And and have a look at the outcome of that. The female that was the recipient of said turkey slap became a breakfast show radio host as a part of B105. What's Camilla up to now? She's now living in Bali with her husband and having children and enjoying life in Bali. Good luck. I know because Camilla. we're friends on Facebook. Mm. Oh, nice. What a lovely story. Yes. means nothing to anybody. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that won't get and edited out. And that's the end out. of my fantasy that island story. might get edited out. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um she, because she sort of ended up on some weird digital radio channel. Yeah, yeah. Well, she did. She did anchor um, more boring Coffee. information. She did anchor um, B one hundred and five as a part of the breakfast show for a little yeah. while and did okay. Yep. Uh, and then the wheels fell off, and all of a sudden she's getting asked, and yeah, ended up on uh, this brand new digital radio thing that no one cared about. Mm. There you go. Very relevant. Uh- <laughs> Da, da, da. I can't even remember where we're He's um, negging her with yep. the hair. Yep, there's some hair stuff. Yep, some um, hair stuff. Not on him. So, on yeah, he basically tells her, you know, remember, remember this hairstyle. She goes to leave and he grabs her arm and thanks her for visiting. <laughs> thank you. He was a very <laughs> aggressive a, I'm thank doing you. a threatening thing and I'm five times stronger than <laughs> a normal right. man who's stronger than you. It was very scary for a, thank you. <laughs> for a gratuity, wasn't it? It was crazy. Thank you for visiting and we get a close-up of her trembling. 
Yeah, and it was the same thing, right? It was like the soft focus on her face, yeah, the shadow it's a bar, romantic and tremble. party hair. Uh, Kirk and McCoy are in their formal blazers in the and dining I, room. I need to take some umbrage about this too, just by the way. I have not seen their formal blazers before this. I don't know. Have they featured before this? Oh, they have. There's been court martials, Stephen. Oh, of course. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but those were slightly different. I feel like they haven't really decided quite on the dress uniform No, yet. they have. What's well, very clear they haven't. But, it, like, the cluster of, like, gems in kind of a star feature on Kirk's chest that's meant to be, like, that's in, to indicate his service medals or something or whatever it was, and the weird pastel tones. Like, it was mm. it was it was out of order. Yeah. Yeah, it was and McCoy walks into the dinner and is like, how's this spread? And it looks like all they're putting out is bowls of fruit salad. Oh, man. They mustn't get very much interesting food on the old Enterprise. Oh, no, but that's that cube sort of stuff. Gelatinous cubes. Sort of super efficient jello. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bones was impressed. <laughs> so Kirk is concerned about McIver's attraction to mm. Khan's magnetism. He's the only one, too. No one mm. else cares. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Khan visits McIver's in her quarters, and he's dressed in a splendid gold open-neck <sighs> tunic. That's because we're ready for the formal dinner, even though he's from a prisoner of warship, and we don't really know who he is yet. And that's it. So somehow he's got a formal tunic in his own style, so we get a little hint of Montalban chest. Mm, naked, hairless chest. Lindo, uh, help me out here. What is different about MacGyver's in this scene? Dun, dun, dun. I think her hair might be down and but, soft and gentle. But is it her <laughs> hair? This is my question. There is very definitely some really shitty extension work going on here. Like oh. there is a oh, weave tucked into this. It is, it's brown. Her hair is red and it is brown hair that they have just stuck into her head. I oh, I was too I was too just I couldn't get past the style so the color was wrong yeah it, it was like not even a shade of red it was just brunette oh, wow. to her very red hair what it's the, that's insane we, and so this it is looks my question so wrong it looks like a so I was going to say anyway it looks like a half mullet thing oh it's so it's a weird look it's it's not this beautiful flowing princess oh you've let your hair down now all of a sudden you yeah it's not like you princess leia at, in now. the you're ewoks the beautiful swan yeah that it's kind none of, of that Disney thing. um so my my I guess my real question in the midst of this is that she's got the weird kind of extension thing going on um was this episode originally filmed and shown in black and white and this is a colorized version or a released version in color no now, it was all color it was it was it's a big, shit house it was a big Feature series like maybe, in NBC's In Living Colour. Oh, gosh. Well, maybe like maybe they hadn't caught up. Maybe yeah. the props and, and sets and costume department hadn't caught up with the fact that everything's in colour, and we can tell it's the wrong colour. Except me. I couldn't tell. That's right. You were drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. She, it distracted me for the rest terrible. of the episode. It's not what they're going for. The rest of the episode bothered me. Maybe the hair was cool at the time. Um. Uh, Khan loved it. Yes. He noticed it. This is the negging process, hard at it. He encouraged it. He acknowledged it, said she'd done a great job and drew her close to him. And then they went to the dinner where they couldn't be together. Mm, indeed. Um, can we talk about Khan's hair for a second? Oh, please. Yes. Um, his long hair. So he's got sort of shoulder length hair. I don't think we even mentioned that, you know, very dark black hair. That's... Mm. The hair is maybe the only thing that really sells that he could be from somewhere in the subcontinent. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. 
Uh, so he has it done up in a short ponytail. The irony is, if he was a Sikh warrior, we wouldn't see his hair. He wouldn't hair. see his hair at all. And it would not have been cut. Yeah, yeah. That's like a good it point. would be wrapped up in a like turban. It's long, but not that long. No, no, that's right. It's a very, very short, tight ponytail at the back of his neck. Yeah. Um, that if he was a Sikh, he converted late and hasn't taken <laughs> hasn't it on very it seriously. He's probably the only guy that can sort of – not many men can carry off a ponytail. No. And, and it's, ponytail it's, is generally not a great thing, but it, he can – he carries it off somehow. It's very helmet-like too. Like it's mm. that kind of like strand perfect mm. that they have just now. And it's, it's his hair, as we learn later on when he has a fight with Kirk. Mm. Um, but it's just that, that like they have – like there is a hole – above Hollywood in the ozone layer because of how much they just sprayed that hair. <laughs> it's not moving. It's amazing. Yeah, so McIver's has a hair out. Khan mm. loves it, uh, but it's kind of mullet. Khan is colorblind. I've written here, I reckon, the worst hairstyle we've seen so far in Ooh, the series. That's a big call, 22, 23 eps in. Yeah. He admires her painting around her quarters. So there's one of a gladiator named Flavius. More positive reinforcement, more negging. Yep. One of Napoleon. Khan lifts a cover to find a secret (sighs) painting. She's been painting of Khan (gasps) with his hair in a turban. In a turban. Yeah. Where's his knife? I mean, all all Sikhs carry a weapon. That's right. I've heard that. Anyway. Anyway. uh, Khan. It's all falling apart. (laughs) Khan kisses her and she gives in and embraces him and digs her fingers into his shoulders and to that dramatic right there, music. That, it was, was 1960-something, was this went to air, I think? Yeah, 1967. We just saw 1960s television sex. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. There would have been people going, because <gasps> yep. not only, uh, you know, sort of deep, passionate kissing and she the close-up on her grabbing uh, his shoulder pads, um, but he was a dark-skinned man. And she was a white woman with two coloured hair. Mm. <laughs> Outrageous. Controversial. At dinner, Spock is trying to probe Khan about his past. Uh, he plays dumb, but the figuratively, not literally, the terrible period of war in the nineties as a period of great dreams and aspirations. Ah, yes. Uh, one man would have eventually uh, would have ruled eventually as Rome under Caesar. Mm. So he as a quite a romantic view of that period of time. Oh, he was because he fashioned himself as the Caesar. Yeah. But yeah, so he's not really doing a good job of There are so many danger sides. So many danger sides. Warnings. That we have got to this point and no one has gone, oh, maybe we should lock him up. He's so excited about Rome, he says, think of its accomplishments. Spock tries to find out who Khan's allegiances Mm -hmm. were with. And Kirk asks uh, Khan why he fled. Uh, you left at the time when mankind needed courage. Mm. Why did you flee? And Khan commends Kirk at this point because that's you. You are a very good tactician, Captain, because yeah. you let your number one um, attack first while you observe, uh, you know, my defensive position or my my response yeah. to be able to identify the weakness in my uh, in my process. Like it's it's. It's an interesting sort of throwaway line, and Kirk's looking very smug as if I wish I'd thought of that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but he sort of says to him, you know, it's um, 
it's you know you're talking military terms mm. you know, this is a social occasion and then all of a sudden khan is like i am again feeling fatigued i must return to my room for rest yeah well that's it that that last thing where um very good kirk says you fled when mankind needed courage and you know, khan snaps and he slams his fist on the table and says we offered the world order and then he's realized he said too much and yes. that's when he gets oh, i'm fatigued I'm too tired i'm sorry goes to his quarters with MacGyver's. MacGyver's follows Khan mm. to his quarters and says she knows exactly who he is. He's not going to like it in their century. Stay or leave. You must make the choice. <laughs> and she doesn't I mean, this move. scene is insane. It's oh, crazy. Man. This is negging come to life, kids. Yeah. He tells her to stay or leave, make the choice. She doesn't move. And then he says, now you must ask to stay. Oh, man. <laughs> like now he's forcing on her. Like, she's already beaten down. He's now telling you, if you want to hang around, you have to ask me and I have to give you my permission. Brutal stuff. I mean, it's um, one way to repopulate the earth, isn't it? It certainly is. Khan says uh, he'll have to mould it to his liking. Mm, more mm. ominous signs and oboe. He tells MacGyvers he's going to take the ship and tells her he needs her help. And she says yes. Yeah, well, notice he didn't ask. He's, no, he's I need going to be. Is this where he, like, forces her down to her knees or whatever yes, is happening? Yeah, he's going to give her some of his space seed. That's what's going on there. <laughs> oh, man. McIver's asks if he will hurt anyone, and Khan gets angry. He's a very problematic dictator and says, now you question me, and he throws her to the ground. Leave me then. And McIver's looks up and says, I promise. I'll do anything you ask. See, the negging pays off. Mm. This is everything bad and problematic about relationships from the 60s. Mm, indeed. And modern day, let's be frank. Boys, this is not how you get with a girl. Excellent. Excellent advice. Also, don't be a dictator. <laughs> Look, if there's two bits of takeaway from this series, this episode, that's not how you treat girls and don't be a dictator. This we can probably shorten the last bit to don't be a dick. <laughs> Uh, in the briefing room, Kirk, Scotty, and uh, Spock and McCoy are comparing a photo of Khan that they mm. kn- the Khan that they know with a photo of Khan Noonien Singh, who Spock explains from 1992 to 1996 was the absolute ruler of more than a quarter of Earth from Asia through the Middle East. How can you look at those two pictures and the guy's name is Khan yep. versus Khan Nooney and Singer not straight away go, it's the same guy. Yeah. They actually were flipping between the two and going, hmm, mm. I'm not sure. Well, you got to make sure when you're accusing someone of being a dictator in a war. They accused him of being a prisoner before anything else happened. Oh, my God. Go, Lindo. Okay. Dear Star Trek writers, why? <laughs> why given, given the fact that Khan Noonien Singh, one of the all-time most famous Star Trek characters, mm. even though, okay, admittedly, most people just know him as Khan, why, yes. when you get to Next Generation and you have Data, Data's creator mm. is named Noonien Soong. Bad idea. Ah. Bad idea. What to the, the point where when they said hit like Khan's full name That's in this, where I, knew I, the st- name I from. stopped mm. and I went, have I got Data's creator's name wrong this entire time? And I'm like, no, they just named him almost the exact same thing. It's cr- there are so many of those kinds of weird inconsistencies, right? Like I stupidly, after I watched this episode, went and watched Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, and remember that starts with them doing the Kobayashi Maru um, oh, man. sort of uh, a, a 
um, situation, you know, yep. training situation, simulation. And I can, pro- I did Google it briefly, but I didn't look deep. Kobe Ashimaru, like that's popped up somewhere else in popular culture subsequently. I'm oh, dead set sure it's of it. Popped up in a lot of places. So it's in the new Star Trek in the first. Well, they definitely reference it. Well, and, and it's just, in Big Bang Theory. That's a probably lot, where I've There's a lot it. of Star Trek references. Uh, the thing that gets me, though, is I was really looking forward to seeing Chris Pine and Benny Cumberbo. Um, turn up in some of this, and then I realised, oh, that's a whole other film. <laughs> so, I, like, this is where my brain mind melds with popular culture and falls out my ear. Uh, so we learn that uh, Khan was the last of the tyrants to be overthrown. Scotty says that he's always had a sneaking admiration for this one. Oh, they both. Oh, <laughs> yes, me too. Spock is furious. Kirk says he was the best of the tyrants and also the most dangerous. Spock doesn't like this, you know, romanticizing about dictators. And Kirk explains that we humans have a streak of barbarism in us. Appalling, but they're never, nevertheless. They all laugh. All right. And they all laugh. Scotty argues. But, but, dun, dun, dun. but they, they get in and try and, like, do his selling points as a dictator. <laughs> Scotty argues there, was no, there were no massacres under his rule. But Spock adds, uh, you know, there was the same amount of freedom. And McCoy puts forward that there was no wars until he was attacked. Um, Spock is absolutely appalled. And then all the humans laugh. (laughs) And Kirk explains that he misunderstands. We can be against him and admire him at the same time. By the way, this isn't Uh, Spock misunderstanding. That's exactly what Spock thinks is happening. And he thinks it's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, and, and there is no, if we have a look at it in the context of this episode, this scene, apart from them discovering that Khan is Khan Noonien Singh, yep. everything else is pointless. There is no reference to the fact that Kirk and Scotty and Bones have any kind of admiration for Khan later. It's just, you're a bad dude and we don't like you, but we're going to give you a chance. But in this scene, they like him. Yeah, they like him. They, they go, well, we can admire him and, and be horrified by him. This, this whole season, it seems to be a big thing about, like, Napoleon comes up a mm. bit. Right and I guess that's interesting to reflect on. People can think of Caesar or Genghis Khan. I'll or, tell you who's problematic, Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> Alexander the Great, as you know, they can think of them all as great leaders, but you're forgetting the fact that they did a heap of like probably Hitler type. <laughs> probably like, probably Hitler. like every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Kirk goes to visit Khan, who is now confined to his quarters with the door locked and an armed security officer outside. Khan is wearing a red Starfleet engineering uniform. What is uniform. that all about? Well, he, he was kind of an engineer, so we might as well dress him in a uniform. But he's got his magical dress clothes that he wore to the party the yeah. night before. But he's also got like, uh, well, an officer's uniform. Why isn't he in one of those like jumpsuit bathrobes? That and he turns up in later. Yeah. Reveal just a nice amount of peck. Yeah, yeah. An appropriate amount. Well, you know, he's got to send his blazer and his tunic and everything to dry cleaning at some <laughs> point. So Kirk addresses him as Khan, Nooney and Singh and questions him about the reason for his space flight. Uh, Khan answers it was for a new life, the chance to build a new world and other things I doubt you would understand. And then he goes on to politely tell Kirk that he's inferior mentally and physically. <laughs> Kirk uh, has had enough and leaves. Every conversation when Khan gets found out about stuff, particularly conversations with Kirk, it usually just ends with him going, 
Excellent. <laughs> and that's it. Like, yeah, it's like yeah, the, yeah. The, whoever wrote that section just went, like, the editor came along and went, well, the rest of that's fucked. Let's just end it here and get to the next thing. <laughs> that's it. Or it's too expensive. Khan does a martial arts breathing exercise of He tai chi's the shit out of this. And then rips the door open with all his strength and then knocks out the guard outside. Totally Mr. Miyagi's the door. Yeah. McIvers takes the transporter room with a phaser and Khan enters and knocks out the technician with a kind of a neck squeeze or an acupuncture mm, pressure point thing. Noonian sing whip snap. Yep. <laughs> um on the Botany Bay, the other subhumans are awake, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot men- happens very quickly. Oh, very quickly. There are men in red flight suits, and the women are still in their gold fishnet suits. Yeah, what is going on? I don't think we see the women. We again. never see the women again. Yeah. They're just getting ready to procreate. <laughs> oh shit! It's a problematic. Um, <laughs> Everything about this is bad. <laughs> and he's walking around doing that great kind of leader thing, sort of patting them on the shoulder, going. Johnson, McGuinness, <laughs> Texas. And that's it. And you're like, I'm hey, going to need you to come in on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> coffee that's right. Mm, okay. Uh, and, mm. Yeah. Fuck, I'm going to watch Office Space. <laughs> and the best part is that he does it to the woman. He's patting one-handed on all of the guys. Yep. And then he does it kind of two-handed like oh, he's going to rub their shoulders to the woman that's in the, the, the front of that line. And she just is like, I'm in character and this is okay. And he's like, yes, excellent. <laughs> and that just cuts away. Khan and his men then take the – they take engineering. So yeah, they this, get on the back of the Enterprise. They take engineering and they shut off lights, life support on the bridge. The officers are trapped and have no access to controls or communication. And they kill the lift so they are caught. They are fucked. Kirk <laughs> refuses to surrender the bridge and then dramatic music. Yes. Go to commercial. Oh, so good. After the break, everyone is unconscious on the bridge except Spock and Kirk. Kirk is recording a message. He's monologuing. Recommend, yeah, recommending all of the bridge officers for commendations. Just quickly again. one by one. Yeah, jumping back. How ripped off must Sulu feel at this point? Yeah. Because normally he's a part of that crew. Yeah, he's, and he's, he's obviously got the day off and he's down on the, you know, the whatever, the poop deck, yep. pooping. Um, and but he's still got oxygen. Oh, what the true? He's living. He's doing fine. How? And, and just quickly think about that. You're on the ship. It's your day off. You get back to work the next day. Hey, everyone, what did I miss? And they're all like, "We totally nearly died because a 200 year old, you know, warrior dude took away all of the oxygen on the bridge. Did you not hear about this? No. Hopefully, Sulu's on shore leave. Everyone, <laughs> everyone else has got an extra new medal when it comes to their formal uniforms, except Sulu. He's like, "Where's mine?" Oh, man. <laughs> Kirk's one by one naming all the officers and he's for commendations. And he's taking full responsibility for the incident before he passes out, out and falls off of his chair. Later, the bridge officers have revived and Khan is addressing them. While- None of this makes strategic sense. While his men hold them at gunpoint. What are you doing? If you've said, I want to take control, and you're going, you know, you can do whatever you want, but I'm in charge of the oxygen here, buddy, yep. and you're pretty much dead. Yeah. And so they black out, put them on your old ship, yeah, yeah. tie them up, do he something. Need, Nobody he needs them. Need he can't fly the Enterprise. He does not need them. That's exactly right, Lindo. He says he needs them, and I believe this man. He sounds like a nice guy, <laughs> a real stand-up guy. <laughs> and he says it in a really creepy way. Yeah. 
No, well, he, he says he, he basically he's, his argument is he needs them to fly the ship. He read the schematics. Yeah, he but, understands what it meant. What yeah. do you mean you can't fly the ship? Just tell your dude to push the button and go to wherever. One Khan does not a whole crew make. If he can read, if they are all the people that they are purported to be, yep. and he read the schematics in, let's be generous, a couple of hours. Yep. Just give everyone else access to the schematics. Yeah, Get the at su- it. The superhumans, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Con! But it's the passwords. They don't know the passwords. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. They're underneath the keyboards. Scotty demands to know where Kirk is. Khan orders Ahura to activate the viewing viewing screen, <gasps> but she refuses. Some violence. And one of Khan's men backhands her. They like a good man. Backhand. His backhand mm-hmm. comes 60. nowhere near her. Nowhere near her face. <laughs> my guy just gets upset too. My son was watching that, who's eight, and like very problematic scene. Like he walks past mm-hmm. his gun. He didn't hit her at all, really. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> McIvers intervenes to stop him hitting Ahura more, and Ahura eventually complies. And on the screen, we see Kirk in a medical decompression chamber. Yes. But first, it's not just like this is like, you know, the ship security cam footage or something. Somebody must have like a handheld camera because it goes yes. in a tight yeah. pan around yes. the dramatic reveal. First, it goes to the panel so that everybody can see what's going on. And then it like mm. goes over to show Kirk. How great is the tech on the ship that they've got these cameras that can just robotically, remotely do this? Khan's stuff? hired Beastie Boys director and they get a fisheye lens. <laughs> <laughs> and he just dung dung Sabotage. Yeah. Gonna sabotage your captains. Oh, I can't stand it! I can't stand anyway. your captain. I'm gonna suffocate the shit out of him. <laughs> anyway, um so, uh, is that cultural appropriation? Beastie Boys? Yeah. No. Okay. What culture are you? We're not white American Jews. Oh, it's fine. Okay. Beastie, Boy, Beastie Boys is my culture. That's what I was doing in the 90s, not taking over North India. You were fighting for your right to party. Yeah, yeah. Beastie Boys, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Grew my hair like Khan. <laughs> Had an undercut. Nice. Um, okay, so... On the screen, we see Kirk mm. in the medical decompression chamber about to run out of air. And I'm pretty sure I've seen this exact scenario in a Bond movie. And breaking news, decompression chambers don't remove the oxygen. Don't they? No. Okay. What All do they, they do? do is increase or decrease the pressure in there. And they're meant to be decompression, i.e. you've been underwater for too long and got the bends. So air has entered in your bloodstream or is in your come out of solution in your bloodstream and if we don't slowly decompress you it could travel up to your brain and you can die um so it's like it doesn't take the oxygen away that's like a spaceport all this is is just a thing that like you can but do if you mod in- this one like a playstation classic you can take away all of the that's oxygen. exactly right you can mod it so another question yeah why, why do they have a decompression chamber that is a great question, Lindo, because if anything, they need a compression chamber. Because Bond- outside in space, no pressure. The Bond movie I saw this on was in a submarine. Bond's Underwater. Watching. The Bond villain puts another guy in that he is uh, unhappy with for whatever yep. reason, and he has all the pressure built up in it, and then he takes a tomahawk to one of the hoses, and then all of a sudden the guy's head explodes. And then Bond just goes, hmm, and then quietly submerges. Like well, a rapid decompression some- would be exactly that. A rapid change in pressure would hurt you. Yeah. 
um, which is the inference around that's why when people in space go from a, pla- a pressurized it's place a to a non-pressurized one for when you place, have polio, yeah, space polio, an iron lung. What basically Kirk is in an iron lung. Yes, that somehow has the oxygen getting sucked out of it. <laughs> Khan says that they will all die in the chamber one after one, mm. one after another. But if a single one of them agrees to work for Khan, he will set the captain free. McIver says she doesn't want to see this and Khan, you know, lets her leave the room, but he says he's disappointed that she wasn't stronger. After she leaves the room, the screen goes blank. McIver's is headed down to the chamber and she pulls out some sort of injection or something and knocks out the guard and saves Kirk's life. How quickly does she go from being the historian to being the specialist that knows how to turn off the camera systems inside the Enterprise? She's done well. She's switched sides like two or three times. And then switches back because she wants to bone him on the magic planet. Yeah. Oh, man, he's not going to be happy. No. <laughs> um, Kirk makes a pretty miraculous recovery, I'm going to say, from being nearly dead. Yes, very quickly. Grabs the guy's phaser and uh, Spock is being led down to the chamber with another guard and Kirk and Spock manage to take out the other guard. Spock uh, pumps anesthesia gas, or somebody does, into all of the sections on the ship, which seems- knock everybody out. Right, no Sulu's to- off in the in the yeah. having his day off, and I was like, I'm feeling a bit sleepy, and egg gone. But Spock and Kirk, like none of them have oxygen. Yeah, they don't care. It's fine for them. They've so- built up a tolerance. So uh, Khan manages to escape, and Scotty chases him. And uh, Khan goes down to engineering and isolates the oh, deck. And we have a great fight gas. scene. A great fight scene Fantastic. between Kirk and uh, Khan. Kirk de- goes down to confront Khan and Khan surprises him and grabs his phaser and bends it in half. Uh, how, and how bad is that, right? Because it's obviously a little bit of a plastic kind of yep. thing they've created as a prop. But when Khan's bending it, they've clearly just taken something and mushed some plasticine underneath <laughs> it. And we don't actually – it's like he's bending it. We see it kind of do something in his hand, but we don't see the grandiose, he's I have actually strong. bent something. He is incredibly strong. So uh, says you. We get another leaping fight he's scene. He's very gentle to me. Kirk does a lot of leaps and kicks. Lots of – yeah, and, and the flat-footed jump kick. Where he jumps up with his kick and and it's already in kick motion, <laughs> but he just ends up with his whole foot on Khan's chest. I thought I was watching something like Errol Flynn and Robin Hood or something. He's just <laughs> leaping all over engineering, and some of the throws too, where he gets oh, pushed yeah. away, and like I, I acknowledge it's what it is, but where he's pushed away, but in the spin he gains more momentum and ends up throwing himself at the console harder and faster than in any way the attack would have warranted. Oh, man. It's the best 1960s fight scene. It's great. It is very We see Khan's hair come out of its magical plastic holding and it starts to get a bit awry. And, man, that's serious, right? There's no mats on this. The fight scene is them on the studio floor rolling and throwing each other and jumping over each other, and they're hitting the ground pretty hard. Yeah. Like, if you don't tuck your head in at the right time, you're knocking yourself out, brother. Like, you're on – you're ending up on MTV's ridiculousness as a guy who tried to do a backflip and lands on his face and knocks himself out. That's what's happening if you don't do this fight scene right. That's a good point, actually. When you said mats, I was thinking like matte paintings or something. Like <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, interesting. Despite the crazy leaping choreography, they managed to do do some sort of a fight 
without uh, ending up in hospital. Yeah, like, and it's that's the thing, right? It's a fight where you want to see Kirk prevail. He has to prevail to win. Yeah. But he just kind of wins. There's no... Yeah. Well, like, Khan makes these claims. I think he even says something about, you know, you can't win, I'm five times stronger yeah. than you. But then Kirk grabs a knob off, like, an engineering Yeah, pulls it out. It's it a bit out. of PVC pipe. And, it's yeah, it happens to be, like, you know, a metal rod or something, and he knocks Khan out with it's it. It's an inanimate carbon rod. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> and the Enterprise is saved. Hurrah! Hurrah! And we're getting to near the end, so Emily can go to sleep sometime Hurrah! before sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so Kirk calls a hearing. To determine what- back in formal uniform, by the way, mm, nice, beautiful blazers, mm, those uh, star medals. They, yeah. So to, the hearing is to determine what to do with Khan, and surprisingly, Kirk drops all charges against him and has a planet picked out to drop him off on. Where the fuck does he get off? Yeah, what the fuck is happening at this point? Oh, he he gets what's coming to him. <laughs> but it was sure, but like at this point. We have the benefit of hindsight, right? Yep. In in the universe that it, this is, and as someone watching Star Trek for the first time, you're going, there's no reason for him dropping all the charges. Yeah. And then saying, well, let's let them complete their mission and go over to this other right, – again, I know that we've talked about this on the podcast, or you guys have talked about the podcast in the past, the prime directive, um, that in this context, they're basically dropping Khan and his 70-odd Superman mates – Onto a planet that is a little bit harsh with a, a a people, I assume that they are there to overcome and and bend to not. their will. I but that's not. what's asserted. Like yeah. we're well, dropping that's... them on there to just go hard and knock them all out and become kings. Yeah, well, that's that's the bit that's a bit problematic here. So Spock, ex- that's the bit. Oh no, well, that's Spock explains here that planet number five in the SETI Alpha system is habitable, mm-hmm. although. A bit savage, savage, mm. somewhat inhospitable. He doesn't say if there are people there or not. And then Kirk adds that no more than what Australia's Botany Bay was oh. at the beginning. But those men went on to tame a continent. Let's quickly just talk about that. Okay. Right? It's, so it's really no- good. 1960s understanding of white settlement in Australia yep. and Terra Nullius. Yeah. Now, that's where they were at. That was the understanding, all of the Enlightenment stuff around how we understand our Indigenous peoples was 20 or 30 years away. Marbo was a baby. Yeah. So when this boat of convicts rocked up in Botany Bay. We bent them to our will and look at the great structures right, we have turned the country into. It was the first fleet into. in Botany Bay, wasn't it? Not no, 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 the no, first Captain fleet. Cook. Okay, so before, Botany Bay was where convicts. Cook landed and went, I claim this for England. And when Arthur Philip came over to with the first fleet, he went into Sydney Cove. Okay, so this doesn't even relate to convicts. Not a then. thing. Not really, other than they discovered this place and thought. Oh, Cook discovered and claimed, planted the flag, buggers off. At which point, like the indigenous people in Australia went, "Well, that was fucked." But he left us a flag. How great! Not knowing what was to come, right? Yeah, it's crazy talk. So yeah, there was. Like all these people already here that had the continent pretty well tamed. For hundreds of thousands of years, they know what's going on. Before England turned up and dumped their petty thieves, the people that um, were starving in England and had to steal to buy a loaf of bread. 
All this points out is that we now need to petition the makers of Star Trek retrospectively and get them to edit this episode <laughs> to correctly reflect the situation that the lie of Terra Nullius is no more. Yeah. And that's my political statement for the episode. Now, sorry, you watched the, the movie The Wrath of Khan I did. recently. Were there people on the planet before Khan rocked up or is it just Khan? And his well, they kind of all that's left. Yep. It, they refer to this as all of left of my, my band of you know, people and my, even my wife died is okay. what Khan says. So we assume that's MacGyver's. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it, maybe I'm misunderstood, but my assertion was that they were giving him this planet to go and do what they want to do because Khan was a conqueror and he wanted to go and conquer and become the guy in charge of everything. Yeah. So they're letting this, this creature do what this creature was bred to do. Yeah. Now, but just so, to flip the script on that though. Yep. This Space Seed, Space Jeers episode, 15 <laughs> years later, is when we get to Wrath of Khan. Where does the Pine Benny Cumbo episode drop back in? What is that? So in, in one of the, the you know young Spock Star Trek movies, the J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams movies, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris Pine fights Khan, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, that's a- it is outside. I can't remember the timeline of how that fits in when this episode and the film fits so tightly together. Like, because Kirk didn't know Khan Noonien Singh before this. No. And and you can't say, well, he met him as he fought him as a young guy and didn't know that he was Khan. No, because even in this Chris Pine film, we learned that it's Khan and Kirk acknowledges that it's Khan. And yet here we get to this and it's like, who is this Khan? It probably shouldn't have been. Cumberbatch should have been like another guy. Like All I know is that Benny Cumberbatch killed it. He was really good. Yeah. He, was he was really not good. A Sikh he warrior. should not have been Khan. No, yeah. and I think even JJ said early on, it's not Khan. Oh, yeah. And then later on, he's like, oh, yeah, it was Khan. It was totally Khan. He gets called Khan <laughs> yeah, no, but in like, the film. Like people are asking, is this Khan? And he's like, no. Well, that's just because Abrams lie to people. He's yeah, trying yeah. to, yeah, totally retcon stuff. Um, anyway, I've distracted us from we're nearly at the end. We are. What an epic episode. I know. this. Oh, man. Um, so he gives him a plan to go and jizz. So, yeah. So we hope this planet is empty, but it's still problematic because – these people are going to have offspring and Khan is going to be a fucked dictator. Yeah, he's going to try and rule whatever they land also, on. So this guy and is whatever like, else. like, yeah, I realized it was two centuries ago. This guy is still like one of the like dictators of Earth. Yes. And yeah, yeah. Kirk on his own decides, eh, okay. I'm just going to put him on a planet somewhere. That's a decision I get to make. Yeah, yeah, it's not, and it's not like you can say, but it's a prison planet. Kirk will have had to respond to Starfleet and advise what's going on. So yeah. then, all of a sudden, they'll have acknowledged that SETI Five has this group of former space criminals now trying to colonize it. Um, so while they don't have a ship, or they may have a ship, or however they got them down there, beam them or whatever, uh, they're in a position now where they have some sort of technology because Wrath of Khan means that they get revealed. Because they interrupt and interact with the Genesis Project and, you know, good old um, uh, Wessels. What's his name? Nuclear Wessels. Yeah, Nuclear Wessels. Yeah, Chekhov and his captain at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, surely if you drop somebody off on a planet, you then have a duty of care to check on them, which is how we end up with the Wrath of Khan. The prime directive, people. Kirk fucked up. Yeah, big time. In any way, is there any light that we could see this in that Kirk Kirk didn't fuck up? 
No, he, he he cleared him of all charges and gave him a planet. Yeah. He fucked up. Yep. So this guy, and potentially he could eventually build technology and then go and attack other planets. So that's... Well, he yeah. somehow had the technology to know what the Genesis Project was mm. 15 years later. Yeah, yeah. Like if it's an if it's a reasonably inhospitable planet, why are people going to swing by SETI-5 and go, oh, hey, you guys, we're just popping in to say, what's up? Yeah. And yeah. have you heard about um, this thing? Yeah. Do you know the Macarena? Like it's... Not a thing. Yeah. Fascinating. So I guess, so the option was take him to some sort of retraining facility. Just put him or in prison. Like yeah, yeah. But they don't have prisons. They have, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, they do because Kirk ends up in a prison later in the movies. But yeah. I think here we're led to believe in the early series that they don't, they just. The Scientology retraining session. Something, something like that. Gosh. Um, so Kirk later explains, uh, where are we? Uh, explains blah, blah, blah. nothing. I skipped on. So Kirk explains that these men that landed in Australia were able to tame a continent, which is a bit problematic. Bullshit. Uh, Khan, can you tame a world? Uh, Khan asks, have you read Milton? And oh, Kirk yeah. Says, yes, I understand. So instantly knowingly what passage um, and that's this is an official trial or proceeding or something. He taps the in. bell and everything, right? It's yep. crazy. So later on, Kirk goes on to explain that in Milton's writing, Lucifer said that it's better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. So that's well, that's the bit that he thought he was talking about when he said, Have you read Milton? Yeah, maybe not. It could it's have been anything. Like, could have been Milton. any Milton. Can I fuck your shit up in 50 years' time? <laughs> Okay, that's right. Yeah, it could yeah. have been Milton Berle he was yeah. talking about. <laughs> In fact, now I hope it was. He was talking about Milton Berle. Kirk gives McIvers the opportunity to go with Khan or to stay and face court-martial. So she chooses to go with the problematic bad boy that she oh, has a major crush on. McIvers. And uh, Khan proudly declares that he has a world to win and an empire to build and he's positive. And pumped. You've got to love his attitude, right? He is the the, the Tony Robbins of space <laughs> space, space explorations. <laughs> God. Spock uh, wonders what crop will spring from the seed Kirk has planted today, mm. and then roll credits. Mm, space jeers. And then, of course, we have our further viewing that we may get to in a few years' time. If Emily still wants to speak to me after keeping her up <laughs> all the time. Uh, the Wrath of Khan. Now, I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out. And yep. even though I've turned this into the epic seven-hour episode, if and when you guys get to Star Trek 2, yes. pretty please can I come back. Oh, absolutely. I'm absolutely, so but it's going to be like a two-part episode because otherwise it's going to be oh, an eight-hour recording session. It is yeah, yeah. cavernous, uh, Ricardo Montalban. Do you have anything else to add, Steve I've, t- I've added way too much, but thank you guys so much for having me on. I have loved oh, the Star Trek. You guys are the best. Do you have anything to add, Emily? Any final thoughts? I'm very sleepy. I'm going to go to bed now. Night-night, Lindo. Night-night, Lindo. Sorry, (laughs) pal. We better let you go. As we say always when we end an episode, keep Keep the the Star Star Trek alive. Delayed by Americans. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Lindo. This has been a wonderful, wonderful time for us and probably a horrible time for you. <laughs> no, it's so much fun. It's, it's, you know, it's a Friday night. It's fine. Okay. Oh, it's so good. Well, thank you very much, pal. Um, this is our Christmas episode too. Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas Lindo. Merry Christmas. 
may Santa give you some space jizz under the tree. Indeed. Merry Christmas, Malk. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mick. Merry Christmas, Khan. <laughs> Time to go. <laughs> Farewell. <laughs> we'll talk more. I feel like we've got a lot more to unpack, so we, oh. we will talk. We will talk more. Oh, live long and prosper. Will you come back before we get to the movies? Oh, mate, if you guys will have me back, because I've just had a very bad precedent. I'd love to come back. I love you guys. This is the best. Excellent.